the place is here and the time is now. I have two words for you, predator drones. You will never see it coming. I think I'm joking. Drones are being used in drone strikes, and I support that entirely and feel the president was right. There's a reason why we shouldn't be using drones. It's because we don't just take out the target. We take out a lot of innocent civilians in these countries where these drones attack. But this is basically blowing up in our faces. We've seen the blowback all across the Middle East. What if our foreign policy of the past century is deeply flawed and has not served our national security interests? I hate categories. Categories okay if you're going to the grocery store. But for me, the category screwed a lot of people up. We'll make everything metal. Blacker than the blackest black times infinity. Thought Radio, San Diego's source for heavy metal and other genres that are ignored by mainstream radio. San Diego's only libertarian talk show in a conservative-dominated market. More hard-hitting journalism than even the professionals themselves. Free Thought Radio. Free speech. Free expression. And free snow call. Only on KKSM Oceanside AM 1320. The Radio Revolution. Podcast airing on LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. As it applies to you and me, our country isn't free. Welcome everybody to another episode of Free Thought Radio here live every Monday, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on KKSM. AM 1320, The Radio Revolution, and podcasting on LRN.FM, The Liberty Radio Network, freethoughtmedia.org, and facebook.com slash freethoughtradio. And uh, I, I had a little bit of a food poisoning incident today, ate an avocado that was a little too old. Um, so, excuse me if I'm, if I'm not myself today. Um, but yeah, there's a whole lot going on uh, in the world uh, right now, and certainly a whole lack of uh, media integrity uh, to go along with it, especially when it comes to you know, you know, cu- uh, not talking about Bradley Manning, not talking about the Sarnev trial, not talking about how we're force feeding prisoners during Ramadan in Guantanamo, uh, things that are so vile and and repulsive. Uh, nobody's get nobody's even getting a trial for that. I mean, I would love to see uh, our our current pre- president and past president uh, at least have some, you know, own up to what they're doing instead of dodging it every time they get questioned on this stuff. Let alone a trial. That's why I am very very pleased uh, for my uh, first guest for tonight. He is trying to restore the fourth estate back to its true form, which is to question those in power and speak truth to those in power, rather than to be those in power and and do their bidding uh, and and engage in this sort of mind control that TV is turning into, which is unfortunate. But those that lived in Cincinnati, Ohio, for the past year or so, up until recently, had the good fortune of having... Uh, great investigative journalists, independent affiliates uh, do get to have this kind of leeway. We have one here in San Diego where uh, independent affiliate journalist uh, recently went on uh, uh, breaking the set on RT and talked about what she thinks about the Michael Hastings 
uh, fiery car crash incident, of course, the recently deceased Rolling Stone journalist. But similarly to that that journalist in, here in San Diego, an, an independent Fox affiliate, Fox 19, in Cincinnati, Ohio, had the good fortune of having uh, investigative journalist Ben Swan, uh, who hosted Reality Check. And he got to do a lot of things. I suggest you Google uh, or YouTube Ben Swan Reality Check when you get home. He's an Emmy Award-winning investigative journalist and a Edward R. Murrow Award-winning investigative journalist. Uh, and he's going to help restore the fourth estate. Joining me now is Ben Swan. He is an investigative journalist, former host of Reality Check on Fox 19 in Cincinnati. And uh, his website now for his show, Full Disclosure, is at benswan.com. That's Swan with two N's. Ben, thank you very much for joining the program. It's an honor, an honor to have you on. Uh, Alex, thanks for having me on. No problem. So give us a bit of background on yourself and what made you want to become a journalist? Was it that you thought the mainstream was lacking or, or you became a you know, good journalist first and then later discovered that it was lacking? Yeah, I actually got into the business because um, I needed a job and became a news photographer. That's how I started out. Uh, I had three brothers who were news photographers and I needed a job and one of them said, why don't you try this? And I really had no interest in it, uh, but decided to go ahead and try it, liked it. And then over a couple of years of doing it, got married, started having kids and needed to make more money. So that's when I moved from being a photographer to being a, a journalist on camera. Um, and, and did that for a number of years. And then over time began to see, as what you just said, that it was lacking in so many different areas and said, you know what, there's so much more that isn't being told that needs to be told. And has been, I've been very fortunate to have been in positions throughout my career where I've had the opportunity to share a lot of that information. Um, there are a lot of journalists out there who see uh, a lot of the things that I've seen and don't get those opportunities. So I'm grateful for that. What are some of the things you've covered in, in your early career, and, and, and what does the fourth estate mean to you? Well, early on in my career, um, I, I did a lot of work, especially in southern New Mexico. I started out working in the El Paso Las Cruces TV market, so that's on the border with Mexico, Texas, and New Mexico. It's a tri-state area. And I uh, did a lot of work actually helping to get laws changed regarding child abuse in New Mexico, because um, there were a lot of problems out there in terms of how uh, child abuse was reported and and uh, what deadly child abuse, um, how it was regarded under the law. So I saw that over time and was interested. And then uh, around 2006 or so, when that drug war in Mexico really blew up, um, I was fascinated by it, the causes behind it, what was actually happening, saw that media wasn't covering it very well. Um, and really, that became my passion. I, I worked very hard for a lot of years covering that story, uh, really became the leader in the nation in terms of, of covering that. Uh, and did so for a while, and, and saw through that process how national media uh, and networks were not talking about the real causes of the drug war, uh, the real players who were associated with it, uh, and they really weren't telling people uh, what was going on down there. And, and it, despite my best efforts to get the story out, saw that they weren't really interested in the truth behind that drug war. So uh, for me, that was kind of an awakening process to realize that this information just wasn't going to get out there um, easily. And so it kind of began that process for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and how did that establish your kind of respect for the, what journalism was, is supposed to be, which is, you know, the fourth estate, the thing that is like the fourth branch, the unwritten fourth branch of the government? Well, what it be I began to see and have carried through from that is that the fourth branch of government and the fourth estate, that is journalism, really has a responsibility, has a calling 
uh, in our society to hold those in power accountable. And that's one of the problems that I see. Uh, certainly, it was the case on the, on the border, uh, even more so, I would say, in the case in po politics today and what's happening in Washington, D.C., we see over and over and over the same problems. Uh, and that is that those who are in power are not being held accountable. Those who are in the position to hold them accountable are choosing not to do so. And ultimately, the people uh, around the country are uninformed as to what's really happening. Um, and and watch, we're watching their, their constitutional rights, uh, their rights as citizens being stripped away day after day after day. Mm -hmm. And media is doing nothing to stand up to it and say, you know what, this is, this is wrong. It's flat out wrong. Uh, and that's really our responsibility. And I would say the last three years of my career, I've really uh, been challenged more to push that, uh, to stand up for people and, and to stand up against uh, those who are in power. Speaking truth to power, I think, is really the responsibility of any journalist. Definitely. And talk about how you eventually became a part of Fox 19 in Cincinnati, uh, what it was like pitching a truth-telling television show, and what influence did the Ron Paul revolution uh, have on you? Well, I think it started out, you know, moving to Cincinnati was a chance to do something different. Um, I had been on the border for almost my entire career, and so it was time to try something different. I uh, did not come here with the intention of starting this truth-telling segment. Um, it was actually pitched to me when I got here as doing kind of a Snope-style journalism. Uh, but I thought it was an intriguing idea and started working through it. And fortunately, I was in a position where the station just gave me leadway and said, do what you want to do. Um, and it was an incredible amount of work. Um, and I think they respected how much work was being put into it. And so they kind of left me alone. Uh, and then as I worked through it and worked through this process, saw this fan base developing of people saying, I'm glad you're talking about this, but it becomes a self-feeding machine, right? So you do a story about something and you, you talk about truth, and then all of a sudden people who are interested in that come to you and say, hey, you did a great job talking about that. Talk about this or look into this or what about this story? And so as that starts to happen, you know, people have referred to it as, as how far down the rabbit hole you're willing to go. Uh, but it really is an interesting experience. And what I have found is so much of uh, the context of what I've covered has come from other people saying and challenging me as a journalist saying, look into this issue, look into this story. Some stories are legitimate, some stories are not legitimate. Uh, but as a journalist, that's, that's an exciting place to be when people are constantly coming to you and, and, and feeding this kind of information to you. Definitely. And, uh, and uh, when did uh, you discover uh, Congressman Ron Paul and, and the, the Liberty uh, Movement? Well, that was kind of an interesting thing, too, because a lot of people have suspected, because of the fact that I covered so heavily the delegate situation in 2012 mm -hmm. and, and the disenfranchisement of those Ron Paul delegates mm -hmm. from state to state and, and Ron Paul voters, um, I didn't see it as covering Ron Paul voters. Mm -hmm. I saw it as covering American voters. Mm -hmm. I saw it as covering those who were being dis disenfranchised by the Republican Party, those who were being disenfranchised by an, uh, an electoral system that was supposed to echoed their voice and instead was suppressing their voice. Um, and as I began to cover it, you know, I was just talking, I did one story about the fact that Ron Paul, in, in one of his debates, got 89 seconds of time to speak. Wow. At the time, he was polling, I think, third and right up near the top. Um, in comparison, Rick Santorum, who was polling dead last, of, and I think at the time there were 12 people running <laughs> on the Republican side, he was running last and he got five minutes, like 49 seconds. Uh, to speak. And, and I looked at that and said, well, it seems very strange to me. And I wasn't doing this again as a Ron Paul supporter. I didn't know hardly anything about him. But just said it's strange to me that the, the way this race is being covered, this guy isn't getting any time. Why is he polling so high if no one knows who he is? And started to look into him and just did one story saying 
you know, how does this work that he gets so little time? And it just blew up. All these people show up out of nowhere and say, yes, yes, we're those people. <laughs> we're the ones who were, you know, getting him into these polls. We're the ones who were voting for him. We're the ones, you know, who are, are supporting this man. And, and so they started challenging me saying, why won't media talk about him? And I thought, is media not talking about him? I guess they're not, but I'm sure there's a good reason. And then started to look at him and what he was about and what this whole, you know, I see you're wearing the T-shirt there, but the whole <laughs> Ron Paul revolution uh, is a revolution of ideas. It's not based on one man. It's based on people saying we want truth and we want honesty and, and we want our liberty and our freedom back. And uh, became very interested in that movement and what it was about. So I think I kind of found the movement and at the same time, uh, much of the movement found me and it was kind of a, a, something that coalesced really well together. Definitely, and it certainly is beyond one man, and, and uh, you do the same thing that he has been doing, is, is bringing truth, and you touched up on a lot of major issues that the mainstream would not touch upon, a lot of which to do with our foreign policy, especially in the recent years with the Bush and Obama administrations and their, and their use of drones overseas. How did you end up interviewing President Obama, and how did you ask the tough questions in regards to drones and Guantanamo detainees, and what do you think... Has he lived up to his answers? Well, a couple things. Uh, how did I get the interview? Uh, the interview was actually fairly easy to get um, in comparison to what most, especially local journalists, would go through because I'm in Ohio. And during the 2012 election, of course, Ohio is this big battleground state. And so uh, politicians from both sides, Romney was here so many times. Paul Ryan was here so many times, you know, President Obama. So as they were coming back and forth and and visiting, we put in our request to be able to do an interview. And we didn't get very far with it. Uh, I'll tell you, it's kind of conjecture, so you have to take it for what it's worth. But the reason I believe I got the interview was because the week before, um, Congressman Ryan and Governor Romney were here in Ohio, and I had the opportunity to interview them. And I sat down with them, and it was a tough interview, and really pushed them on issues of why delegates from Maine were being disenfranchised and stripped of their credentials after they were duly elected. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and again, people would look at me and say, oh, you just care because they're Ron Paul people. And I would say, it has nothing to do with whether they're Ron Paul people or Newt Gingrich people or Rick Santorum people. These are duly elected delegates from the state of Maine. They are Republicans who, who won these um, opportunities to go and to represent the people of Maine in this uh, Republican National Convention. And they're being stripped of that because they're following the rules, but the RNC doesn't like how they're following the rules. And so they're going to be stripped. And so uh, I, I pushed him on that. I pushed uh, Congressman Ryan on why Todd Akin at the time was being thrown under the bus by Republicans when he himself had co-authored personhood legislation along with Todd Akin. And, and I think what happened, because of some things I was told, um, I know for a fact that the Obama folks in Ohio saw the interview. And I know they were very pleased with how hard I was on, on Governor Romney and on Congressman Ryan. And I think what they did was they assumed that because I was hard on those two, you know, that I was part of this left-right paradigm in, in media where if you're going to blast these guys, then that must mean he's favorable to us. And so I think they saw me as being a friendly uh, voice. And I, I guess they were wrong when we got in there to do the interview. <laughs> Do you, do you think he lived up to his answers? Uh, uh, and and wh what did you think of his answers at the time? Well, I think the answers were pretty generic. Uh, he didn't answer anything with, with great specificity. Uh, for instance, I talked about Syria at the time. And at the time, very few people were talking about this at all, including mm -hmm. alternative media. And since then, now we're hearing you know, kind of all over the place about al-Qaeda in Syria. 
And one of the questions I asked him was why the United States would be supporting um, the Syrian uprising when there are reports that there are so many al-Qaeda fighters there. And his response was, well, we're, we're going to be careful about that. But, yeah. I mean, you can't really not live up to that. It doesn't really mean anything. I'm right. being careful, but I'm still providing weapons. I'm still providing money. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think uh, on, on that one, on the NDAA, I talked to him about that. He made no specific statement other than to say that he agrees that there is concern about indefinite detention. So a lot mm-hmm. of the answers that he gave were very, very generic. Um, obviously, he had not been prepped for these questions or prepared uh, for them because he had no idea they were coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really think there was anything to live up to there because he didn't give any specific things that he would do, actionable steps. Definitely. And on the subject of, of Syria, you've been covered, you've definitely been covering it in depth for a while uh, as the U.S. government has pretty much been causing a civil war uh, c- under our noses, I guess, without much uh, care from the general public. Uh, on Reality Check, you know, on a major news network, you rightfully pointed out that the CIA created al-Qaeda in the first place to fight against the Soviets. Uh, we did the same thing in Libya, uh, covertly created an artificial uprising out of thin air after Gaddafi announced that he was going to introduce a gold dinar and dump the dollar. How are, we, how are we repeating ourselves again in Syria, and what are the implications and possible repercussions of the government's actions? Yeah, a couple things on that. First of all, we've we actually done a piece, a brand new piece, uh, that folks can check out over at benswan.com, and it's about al-Qaeda in Syria. And it goes into a lot of these details, but um, one of the things that people need to understand, exactly what you just said, that what happened in Libya is exactly what's happening in Syria. There was no true civil uprising in Libya. It was completely fabricated. They were al-Qaeda fighters. We knew that. We knew who the fighters were because these were guys that we had actually captured in Afghanistan. Uh, they were sent back to Libya to help wow. Uh, in this uh, fight against Gaddafi. Gaddafi had given up his weapons of mass destruction. Um, he was, had played nice with the West for many, many years. But as you mentioned, because he wanted to unhinge the petrodollar, um, there was a huge push to get rid of him. Uh, and, and by the way, you know, even as I say that, and folks who hear that and say, oh, that's all conspiracy theories, look it up. It's not hard to find. It's not information that's difficult to come across. So I would encourage people to do that. Uh, but what we're doing in Syria right now and what's particularly interesting about this is because Libya just happened, and we just saw the results of that. Four dead Americans uh, at the, uh, from the U.S. there in Libya. And by the way, there's a lot of belief that the reason that happened is because we've been running guns from Libya to Syria uh, and to the FSA. But what's happening now is you have this group, Al-Nusra Front, in Syria that is, number one, it was designated in December of 2012 by the U.S. government as a terror organization. In April of 2013, it was uh, announced that it is the, uh, by al-Qaeda in Iraq, that al-Nusra Front is the Syrian branch of al-Qaeda in Iraq. We know this. Uh, The U.K. Guardian has reported that the best finance, the best equipped, and the most likely uh, opposition force to take over the country. If you piece this stuff together, there is no question that if the U.S. helps with this, you are helping al-Qaeda to take over Iraq. The other thing that people in this country don't seem to realize, and if you just did a little bit of research, you'd find this, but people in Syria who are Christians, who are Jews, who are uh, Sunni and Shia Muslims, and people who are Alawites are all siding with the government there because they know that as al-Qaeda takes over, they're all dead. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about repercussions for this, one of the things that's very frustrating to me is the idea that in the United States we have, especially on the right, this very strong evangelical political movement 
um, that talks so much about wanting to spread Christianity throughout the world, and yet the, the foreign policy that they support is actually eliminating Christians in Egypt, it's, eliminating the, it's all but eliminated them in Iraq, and it would eliminate them in Syria as well. It's genocide against these religious groups. And people in the United States who were so terrified of, of Muslim extremism are helping to fund it and make it happen in mm-hmm. these countries. It, it makes you know, your head explode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and another interesting note on, on that topic of you know, Islamophobic neoconservatives were, uh, you know, they were spewing rhetoric about Morsi and, and how he was the end of the world and Muslim Brotherhood, yet within w- weeks, Morsi had already been bought off by USAID, mm-hmm. IMF loans, and, and that he was told to leave Israel alone. He then had free reign to be a dictator, and now that he is out of office, peculiarly also the USAID is heavily going to the Egyptian military. Um, can the paradigm in Egypt only truly change if they can shake off all U.S. influence, whether it be through an elected figurehead or through the actual military that carries out everything? I, I, think, it, I think it has to happen. Um, the likelihood of it happening is very slim mm-hmm. because there's so much money attached to it, so many strings attached to it. Uh, and it's the same. Look, it's the same thing that we have here in the United States. The reason that um, local school districts can't seem to shake that federal influence is because of dollars attached to it. Exactly. We'll blow that up into a huge level, and it's the same thing over there. In Egypt, they can't shake themselves of our influence because of the amount of money we constantly pour into uh, those nations. And so you're right. Right now, it, it's the, the military that we're giving this money to. And what's fascinating about that is the fact that our government won't refer to this as a coup. They will not say this was a military coup, and obviously that's something that they're uh, very nervous about, that terminology. But at the end of the day, that's exactly what it was. And as you said, with Morsi um, and, and the Muslim Brotherhood there, for all the folks who were so worried about it, I mean, he was immediately bought off and became a worse dictator than uh, Mubarak ever was uh, in a very short amount of time. Exactly. And, and just like uh, you know, when you talk about that, we kind of hear that all Muslim countries are the same. We don't generally hear things uh, uh, of substance. It's usually flat and lack substance. Do, do you think the lack of substance arises from the rigid left versus right paradigm? And, and what is your goal to break down that barrier in order to have issues of, sub, of substance reach a lot more people? Well, I think you're absolutely right. It is the left-right paradigm that does that. And there's a very good reason for it. When, when you frame everything as a left versus right issue, you don't have to have context to anything you say. There's no substance to it. And part of the reason for that is because a left-right paradigm is false. It doesn't actually exist except for in uh, media circles and political circles where they're fabricating and perpetuating this idea. The left versus right paradigm tells us that everything is framed through these issues. And yet, when you start talking about issues like the Constitution or about rule of law, or about constitutional rights of Americans, the reason that we keep seeing the loss of liberty in this country is because of that left-right paradigm. Um, the, the right disregards rule of law if it interferes with the rights paradigm. The left disregards it if it interferes with the left paradigm. What we want to do is, first of all, focus on younger Americans uh, and, and folks who I believe, and, and I believe this is the majority of the country, are truly liberty-minded but they just haven't heard a liberty message. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is because of, again, this, this paradigm. Most of the guys that I know uh, and girls that I know who are really becoming liberty-minded um, are not necessarily Ron Paul supporters. Mm-hmm. They're recovering neocons or they're recovering progressives who are saying, well, this party doesn't represent me anymore. Mm-hmm. 
so I don't know what I am. And then I'll tell them, well, I, you, you may be a liberty-minded person, but you just don't know what that means. It doesn't have any meaning yet. And so um, part of this project that we've put together, this Truth in Media project, is about cutting through those issues and refusing uh, to allow a left-right paradigm to dictate to us, number one, the kinds of issues we cover, and number two, the information that we uh, present. And so people who have watched me for a long time will know um, there are times when I have, uh, first of all, my audience is very broad. So mm -hmm. a lot of very conservative people, Tea Party folks uh, from the right, you know, anti-war Democrats from the left, progressives, anarchists. I mean, it's kind of across the board. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I find is that I manage to upset all of them <laughs> on a regular basis because even people who say they don't want to fall into that paradigm fall into that paradigm. Mm -hmm. And so they'll find themselves saying, well, how can you think this? Or why would you think that? Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is that the, the pursuit of truth, the pursuit of real, honest truth, I believe leads people to liberty. It doesn't mean that we have to all define liberty the same way. We don't have to do that, and that's the beautiful thing about it. I don't have to de decide that my view of liberty, wh wh however I view it, must also equal your view. The left-right paradigm tells us it does, but we know that's not true. So uh, seek truth, and I think it will ultimately lead you to liberty. Definitely. And, and when it comes to left versus right in the electoral system and the political system, it really seems to me to be the, the left and right hand of the Federal Reserve uh, talk a bit. Uh, we we talked. We touched up on the GOP convention. Talk a bit about how you covered. I mean, it was a teleprompter, scripted uh, uh, counting of the delegates. Uh, you know, getting rid of Ron Paul delegates, and maybe he wouldn't have won, but they should, like he said, they should have at least been fairly counted. As well as how you covered the theater of the Commission on Presidential Debates, denying far more qualified and substantiative candidates like Gary Johnson and Jill Stein. And do you think that someone that is only going to or only someone that can tow the line of the Fed and the war machine will be able to get these presidential nominations and thus be in the presidential debates? Well, one, one of the things we have to do in this country, and I think one of the fo first things the liberty movement re needs to really focus on is, first of all, I think you need to help me with my project. <laughs> Let's start there, <laughs> because there needs to be truth in media. If you don't get information out to the masses and you, and you only talk amongst yourselves, you're never going to see a serious movement take place. So exactly. one thing we have to do, and that doesn't mean it has to be just me. There are a lot of voices out there. But we have to get uh, the information war on our side. We have to be pu putting information out to people about what's really happening. I would say the majority of Americans have no idea what the uh, Commission on Presidential Debates actually is, what its function is, where it comes from, when it began. Now, I've explained some of this in my program before. Uh, but we have to get that out on a much bigger level to people. You have to pull the curtain back so folks can see the wizards standing behind it. Uh, that's first. Second of all, if we're going to see a shift, you have to break that um, commission's power because it is designed to protect only two parties. It's built by the two parties, and it will protect the parties. Listen, I don't know if Gary Johnson uh, would have been president of the United States. I, nobody knows that for sure. I'm sure Gary feels like he had a very good shot at it. I think he had a very good shot at it. But I'll say this. If Gary Johnson had been allowed to be in those presidential debates, uh, he would have had a very serious shot at winning the White House. I really believe that. If he had been given equal time. Now, I was um, present in Chicago for the alternative debate, and there were a number of alternative candidates. And uh, as a voter, not as a journalist here, but as a voter... I can tell you that listening to folks up there, not all those folks do I think had what it took to be president um, and answered questions in a way. Now, that doesn't mean that folks shouldn't vote for him. If that's your guy or your woman, then great. But 
they didn't all have that. And, and I think what Gary Johnson brought to the table uh, was someone who was so ready. Um, he had so much executive experience in private industry, in government, um, his understanding of the issues, his articulation of those issues, and the fact that he would have brought real debate into the debates would have severely changed uh, the course of that race. I mean, three presidential debates between Governor Romney and President Obama, and you could sit there and count the number of times they said, I agree with him on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was incredible. Exactly. And so you put Gary Johnson in there, and I don't think you would have heard him say ever say, I agree with him on that. <laughs> I think he would, he would have torn him to shreds. But that's why they had to keep him out of those debates. Yeah, I actually did a, a sound remix for the beginning of the show. I have uh, Obama saying, you know, I'm going to drone you or, or like uh, he was making a, sh- a joke about at this dinner and, and there was this kind of really eerie laugh. And then I right after that, I have Romney saying, I agree with all these drone strikes. And, and it, what really kind of disturbed me was uh, a video on, on RT of this guy with his leg missing. And he, he, they placed a laptop next to him of Obama saying everything's going to be all right while he, he has no leg. And I think the consequence of somebody like Gary Johnson not being elected is that guy would have, if that happened after, uh, of course, the election, uh, he would have probably still had his leg and the drone strikes would have been ceased. Um, so, so back to the Truth and Media Project. Talk about leaving Fox 19 and, and what you're doing with the Truth and Media Project. And, and why you chose an all-or-nothing site like Kickstarter to fundraise uh, r- restoring the fourth estate. Yeah, so the idea behind the Truth and Media Project is pretty simple. It's actually the first step in a, in a much bigger process. What we're trying to do uh, is begin by producing uh, 100 episodes of a show called Ben Swan Full Disclosure. It follows that same um, pattern as Reality Check, that same style. We've actually released two ver- uh, kind of preliminary episodes, uh, one on the NSA and... Uh, Ed Snowden, and the other on Al-Qaeda in Syria. And folks who go to binswan.com, you can check them out there and see them, see what we're talking about here. The reason behind uh, releasing that was so that people could see kind of the, the content, what it's going to look like. I'm very proud of it. I think it, it's very sharp looking. And again, watch it with the perspective that says um, this guy is trying to reach out and bridge people from mainstream media over to alternative media. And that's the goal, is to get people to wake up and, and to bring them over. And we understand that in order to do that, we have to have um, you know, a real connection with people. Uh, so that was, that's the idea behind the project. We want to create 100 episodes of it, uh, get it out onto streaming sites like Hulu, Amazon, Netflix, um, you know, uh, Roku channel, YouTube, all that kind of thing. Um, I actually had a great conversation with some folks last night. It looks like we're going to be able to get that content uh, on those sites, awesome. which is very exciting to me because putting it out there uh, to the general public, I mean, just the idea of getting this stuff onto Hulu, uh, onto Netflix would be so exhilarating because there are so many people who will see this stuff and say, I had no idea. Exactly. And so that's the goal. Now, you mentioned about Kickstarter being an all or nothing uh, site, and that's important for people to understand because we have a pretty high goal. We're talking about uh, $1.25 million dollars is what we're trying to raise. And, and at this point, we've raised just under $250,000, which is not shabby, but it's nowhere near our goal. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is encourage people because, um, you know, candidly, I don't think we're going to make that goal before um, the 26th of July. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have a strategy for how to still make this thing work, a scaled-down version of it that we can still make work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would take it would take people who have um, supported us through Kickstarter to say, okay, we'll, we'll you know, make the same commitment. Now, remember something. If you have listeners and viewers who are looking at doing this, $5, $10, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that money can go to the project. 
if we do not make our goal, Kickstarter is not going to charge you. Mm-hmm. So you really have nothing to lose in terms of that. Uh, and then if we have this plan B option that we uh, make available to people, if you want to support that, then you can uh, step over and support that. But one thing that's exciting about this so far is it is truly a grassroots effort uh, so far. We're climbing up close to 4,000 backers, uh, which is very exciting to me. I think we're just under 3,700 right now. Um, and, and that's what we want. We want people who get behind it and say, listen, I've been saying for a long time that in media in this country needs to be fixed and we need people to have a voice. That's what we're trying to do is give people a voice. Definitely. And that's exactly the point about, about bringing people over from the mainstream because otherwise, because uh, me in my instance, recovering neocon, like you mentioned earlier in the program, saw Ron Paul on The Daily Show through, through a mainstream source and that and I'm here right now uh, in this, you know, awakened, you know, alternative media arena. And 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 I, I think it's great to see people like you doing this. And again, for those just joining, I'm speaking with Ben Swan, uh, host of Full Disclosure, uh, doing the Truth and Media Project on Kickstarter. Check it out. Ben Swan with Swan with two N's dot com. Ben Swan dot com. So so win or lose. What do you have pe- planned for BenSwan.com, full disclosure, and spreading the message of liberty and a restored fourth estate, um, whether it be through the channel or at events like Free and Equals United We Stand Festival in Los Angeles this October? Mm-hmm. Well, what we're doing is we're, right now we're actually launching a, something called the uh, Liberty is Rising Tour. So we'll be speaking awesome. around the country at different places. I've been in Iowa already, in Georgia. We're going to be in New Hampshire on the 26th of July and Sweet. then in Maine on the 27th. And so we're really trying to put this message out to folks. Um, the other thing is, again, <clears throat> if you go to uh, benswan.com and, and, and check out some of those events, you're also going to see that we're going to start doing podcasts soon. Um, it's important to me that no matter what happens, uh, that we continue to put this information out to people uh, because there are, just, there are so many attacks on liberty. Look, to, I think it was just today, Carl Rove comes out and says that uh, Justin Amash is the most liberal uh, member of, of the House on the Republican side. He's the next Ron Paul. (laughs) It's incredible. It's like you're calling the man a liberal. He is the most conservative, I believe, uh, member of Congress Mm -hmm. because his record is like a 100% voting record when it comes to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. Um, But again, Karl Rove is speaking to an awful lot of people out there. And there are a lot of people hearing what he's saying. And unless there is a counter to that, unless we get Mm -hmm. serious about creating counter voices to that message because that is a message mm-hmm. and you better believe it's not just Karl Rove's opinion it is a it is a concerted effort to say here is a guy who is a threat and very well make it drafted to go run for the senate uh in 2014 and there are some some folks with some serious money who are looking to help get him into the u.s senate uh, there are people looking at him saying we don't want that guy in the senate mm-hmm. and so and they're and they're saying it from both sides democrats are saying it and republicans are saying mm-hmm. it so uh, unless there is counter to that and someone who can come out and say, here is uh, what, what you folks really need to know about Justin Amash and about his voting record and where he stands and who he is. And I'm not an advocate specifically for him, but I, mean, I am an advocate for truth. Mm-hmm. And to smear him as being uh, a liberal, uh, have a liberal voting record by someone like Karl Rove is, is absolutely disgusting mm-hmm. because his voting record is what it is. If he has a voting record that's liberal, that's fine. But that's not his voting record. His voting record is with rule of law, and it is with the Constitution. And that needs to be, to be um, shared with people. So that's what the project's about. And, and I just want to encourage people, look, more so than dollars, what we're really looking for are people who will stand with us and who will say, look, I stand with truth and media. I, I want it to happen. 
crowdsourced journalism is the way that journalism should be. Mm -hmm. And for all the people who have told me for years now that they look at you know all the uh, the the big money corporations that run media in this country and how can we break that? This is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I, on a side note regarding Justin Mosh, I would agree with Karl Rove, classically liberal. Classically. <laughs> I don't think he said classically. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? And by the way, I, I pledge for the project, and I think you guys should too. Give it a shot. Um, at the very least, uh, you know, um, um, go, to, go to his website. Just keep track and, and be a part of this sphere. Uh, do, you, do you have any final thoughts? And, and where can people find you on social media? Yeah, a couple things on that. First of all, uh, you can find uh, my Facebook page. I actually have two of them. Uh, one is Ben Swan Reality Check. The other one is Ben Swan Full Disclosure. Uh, and so we're constantly updating to those. You can also find me on Twitter at Ben Swan underscore. So <laughs> you got to type it in the right way or you'll never find me. <laughs> um, and so we're, we're on social media quite a bit, uh, putting information out to people. Listen, just about the Truth in Media Project. Again, I just want to encourage people to go and look at it and and don't look at it as, well, you know, is he going to make his goal? I don't know, so maybe I shouldn't stand with it. Listen, if we don't make the goal, like I said, you're not going to get charged anything. But, but take a stand with this project. And as we lay out, because if you do this, we're also going to lay out for you, as I said, this plan B of how we can still get this done. Um, I just want people to, to look at it and decide whether or not this is something that is worth the effort. I believe that it is. I believe it's worth risk. I believe it's worth a challenge. I left... Uh, a very good career at a TV station, um, doing very well where they really wanted to keep me and, and could have stayed there. But I really believe that this opportunity in American history is like none other, that the time is now. Uh, and it's not the time, you know, uh, for me to build an empire, a media uh, empire, but it is an opportunity for me to take uh, the abilities that I have and the journalism skills I've developed over a very long career and take that and meet people where they are and help to wake them up. Because I have kids that are young right now, and what I want for them is a future in this country where they are more free than I am today. Exactly. That's what I'm hoping for. And, and that's what I hope um, that all of us can stand behind, regardless of, of who the person is. Mm -hmm. And definitely, if people don't, uh, I, uh, they should pledge, but I say ignore the dollar value. Look at the substance of what uh, Ben is doing. Uh, look at the video, just and, and then take that, and, and then and then try to watch a mainstream news program. And I think I think you'll look at it a different it speaks, way. It speaks for itself. I think so. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've been speaking with Ben Swan, Emmy Award winning and Edward Edward Murrow Award winning investigative journalist, host of now Full Disclosure at BenSwan.com. That's Swan with two N's. BenSwan.com. Uh, find the Truth in Media project on Kickstarter. Give what you can, or at the very least. Find out what real journalism looks like. Ben, thank you again very, very much for joining the program. Alex, thanks for having me on. Awesome. The Ben Swan was just on the program, one of my heroes. Really, I feel a lot less lonely knowing that someone not only uh, does good journalism, but presents it in a way that can really reach anybody because people are inundated by the mainstream media. They want to see you know, people like uh, mainstream media is, is, is all about the, the view what you see, you know, anchors with pitch perfect hair and, and everything like that. Uh, RT has a really great satire ad uh, where they say, you know, they're kind of just discussing the weather, but weather happens every day. Talk about the real news. You know, if they have people that are full time, just paid there to look nice, wear pretty dresses and, and give you the weather, they're not going to talk about, you know, how Guantanamo uh, 
prison is force feeding detainees on Ramadan when they're supposed to be fasting during the day from you know dawn till dusk, and and, and that's that's just the bottom of it. You know, uh, you're not going to see them showing videos of Mo's staff, aka Yasin Bey, undergoing the force feeding too, which he couldn't even get it inserted. It was so painful. You're not going to hear about how uh, we're supporting Al Qaeda. Uh, fighters in Syria with this uh, rebellion group uh, and, and, you know, the real uh, substance of our foreign policy, because all we do is watch faux news and sit here, oh, all Muslim countries are the same, all Muslims are terrorists, we have to bomb them, uh, nothing about the Constitution and constitutional foreign policy, nothing about the consequences of the, such a foreign policy, such as, you know, all Christians, Jews, and Muslims are living in peace under the Assad government in Syria, and these radical al-Qaeda fighters that are pretty much astroturf created by the United States and other, uh, you know, Western backers out of scratch just to oust Assad, uh, they're not going to be living in peace anymore, not because they're going to be fighting each other, but because they're going to be overrun by these extreme groups like the al-Nusra Front. Uh, it's You're not hearing that. You're hearing sensationalist media doing things like race baiting or uh, getting you to care about Kim Kardashian instead of Bradley Manning, instead of Aaron Swartz, instead of Michael Hastings. And that's just that's just the, the most obscene thing that rattles my mind every day. That's why I don't watch the TV unless, uh, unless it's alternative media. The only alternative channel I get via Time Warner is RT. So I'm, you know, listening to uh, uh, other channels like LRN.FM, Liberty Radio Network, of course, which this show uh, podcasts on. Other ones, uh, Ben Swan, I guess, in the next hour, uh, Dan Johnson of People Against the National Defense Authorization Act. We're on a great website called Storm Clouds Gathering. You've got uh, Press TV out of Iran, Iran, and even though uh, Press TV and RT are state-run, they're still more open <laughs> and truthful than supposed non-state-run American media. Even though they're not technically state-run, they might as well be because they act like it. These guys get paid. I don't get paid to do anything like this. You know, I'm <laughs> a 21-year-old broke college student doing more professional journalism than some of these people. And I'm so glad to see someone like Ben Swan who can can one-up them on, on you know, the appearance thing. He's a good-looking dude. He puts the man in mandible. He got a great voice if you listen, you know. He, he really presents it well, but he's also, you know, completely enlightened, truth-telling, unwavering. And I, I think I can't wait for the truth and media thing to happen uh, if you're in New Hampshire, of course, if you're listening to the LRN.FM podcast, uh, if this airs by the 26th, go check out Ben Speak. Uh, it, it is on the 26th. Uh, go to benswan.com. That's Swan with two N's for more details. He's speaking in New Hampshire on the 26th and Maine on the 27th as part of the Liberty is Rising tour. Uh, check out Truth and Media Project on Kickstarter. And I want to play these two songs that have a lot to do with, with the uh, subject matter. Uh, this first one is called Tell the Truth by David Lee Roth off the album A Little Ain't Enough, uh, featuring guitarist Jason Becker, who now suffers from Lou Gehrig's disease, completely paralyzed, no longer, of course, can play in David Lee Roth's band, unfortunately. And then after that, a song about how the media makes you think this. Think this by the band Toxic. It's spelled with a K, so two songs to complement exactly what we're talking about. Tell the Truth by David Lee Roth. And then after that, Think This by Toxic. Here on KKSM, AM 1320, 
the Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network. Be right back, guys. Freethoughtmedia.org. Support Ben Swan's Truth and Media Project. Set you free. Oh, with the way to 
Think This by Toxic, and that's spelled with a K. Played that for my guest for this hour, Ben Swan, investigative journalist, Emmy-winning investigative journalist. Check out his website, Ben Swan. That's with two N's.com. Like it said in the song, you're just a slave to the cathode ray, so turn off your TV and get some real news because uh, they are doing you know, some disinformation on purpose uh, so that you don't know who Bradley Manning is, that we're never going to find out what exactly happened uh, on the Boston bombing with the Sarnay of trial being ignored. Uh, you know, we're going to get we're just going to get another 9-11 commission report, uh, something that's incredibly watered down, you know, brushed under, you know, the rug. You know, they're, they're going to do this trial. We're not going to hear anything about it. Nobody's going to break it down for us. Um, so Ben, I, Ben Swan's going to be breaking it down. Uh, if, if anybody has ever heard of him before, go check out his old videos, Re- reality check. He was on a local independent affiliate of Fox. So, you know, not Fox news, but you know, independent affiliate in Cincinnati, Ohio actually got to deliver some truth to the people who were fortunate enough to be in the area where they can get that channel. Um, and if you miss any part of the episode, it's on iTunes, Search for Free Thought, look for Free Thought AAC, or listen to LRN.FM's weekly podcast loop. Uh, and be sure to listen to the show live on KKSM, the Radio Revolution, one uh, San Diego's uh, independent station, uh, certainly for music as well. Uh, and, and that's where we challenge the corporate music industry. There's a now a full-time alternative talk show, since we're KKSM's more of a music channel, with K- KNSJ out of Descanso doing the similar thing. Uh, more alternative voices, the better. You know, again, mainstream is purposeful disinfo. Um, so I want to talk about some of the headlines here in regards to Syria, uh, because Israel launched some strikes against Syria the other day uh, using Turkey as a base point. And Turkey has been, you know, in bed with the United States. You know, we they let, let us put you know, cruise missiles on their border. I talked about this months ago about cruise missiles and troops being along along the border with Turkey, and uh, and you know that they've been support. Turkey has been supporting the Syrian rebellion, which boggles my mind about this Erdogan guy. He's such a I don't know. He's such a Looney Tune, because you know I'm for a free Palestine, but and he and he said some things that were. Promising about you know how what Israel does with, with impunity to to Gaza, but I kind of think he's a you know a little bit of a disinfo guy that he's kind of saying these things on purpose because then he goes and says well the whole Gezi Park thing he blames it on uh, quote unquote Jewish diaspora which means people that that are Jewish that are living outside of Israel when not all Jews support Zionism because it's not even Judaism you know thou shall not kill thou shall not steal thou shall not kill to steal land. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a military dogma, of course, with a few, you know, white racist supremacists with a, a supremacist view of things. Uh, but that doesn't represent Jew- Jewish people as a whole. And certainly since Erdogan is kowtowing to Israel, letting them do strikes, how is he really anti-the anti state of Israel? I think he's, uh, uh, you know, people want to build the boogeyman that everybody who criticizes Israel is anti-Semitic. So, of course, he's going to say things like that to further that stereotype rather than, uh, you know, talking about the real issue of, you know, Israel, religion aside, they're killing people with impunity. They've, al- they've always been the aggressor down in the 19th. 19- it was a military coup by the British government. Uh, and when, when it comes to, when it comes to, you know, Syria, 
uh, were Saudi Arabia, a big OPEC country that, that was like Israel, installed by uh, Britain and then backed by the United States. So it, Saudi Arabia is another false regime, just like Israel, uh, you know, that stomps on the other countries in the Middle East. Uh, you know, they fund all these radical uh, Saudi Arabia is uh, Saudi Arabia's main export of Wahhabism, which is this radical form of Islam that is really just, you know, perpetuated by U.S. funding, CIA-backed covert operations to create these groups like Al-Qaeda, like we did in the 80s, like we're continuing to do with Syria. I mean, we're supposed to have this big peace talk, uh, but uh, it's it's not. We're moving forward with all these armaments before that even happens. Um, and, and uh, you know, more, more so over, it's been proven that the Syrian militants have used the uh, uh, the nerve gas, uh, the sarin nerve gas. It wasn't the uh, government; it was it was the rebels, and and, and nobody nobody's talking about that. Uh, they're they're continuing to toe the, the the U.S.'s line, uh, and again, how how Egypt is in bed with the U.S. You know, people were saying, you know, Muslim Brotherhood, we got to be really scared of that. You know. Muslim supposed Muslim Brotherhood was towing the line of the U.S. and Israel, and now they're uh, Egypt is saying that uh, all Syrians need to have visas to enter the country. So they're really gonna, you know, just uh, uh, stereotype Syrians and, and treat them like crap just because. Uh, and again, like Ben Swan said, Jews, Christians, and Muslims are living in peace under the under the Assad secular leaning government. But the U for some reason, I can't try to guess as to what the motive is is funding these dangerous people other than destabilization, purposeful destabilization. And because uh, Assad, just like in Libya, he's not he's not uh, on be- in bed with the petrodollar. Uh, this is really uh, what's going down, but I, that, I only got five minutes there for, for discussing the news. I'm going to take a, a real quick commercial break, but you guys are not going to want to uh, uh, miss what's coming up next. I've got Dan Johnson of uh, people against the National Defense Authorization Act, which will, you know, the indefinite detention thing and more. So we're going to go into very, very good depth onto the National Defense Authorization Act. If you care anything at all, if you've read 1984, if you care anything at all about certainty in your life, about not being kidnapped in the middle of the night, you could say someone as active as me could be targeted. But eventually it's going to come down to you. Jazz was illegal in the Soviet Union. You had to get lyrics approved in the Soviet Union. And jazz didn't even have lyrics. They just thought, you know, it caused free thought. So therefore, uh, we got to ban jazz. So even if you have an inkling of thinking for yourself, you should care about the NDAA because maybe they'll come after activists like me first. And journalists like me or Dan Johnson or Ben Swan or Michael Hastings, they will eventually come down to you. So you got you can't keep saying I got nothing to hide. You gotta say they will eventually come down to me. Uh, so you know, it, it. I think it is um, about time that we uh, we took a, a, a stand, if any, uh, for our liberties. So you're listening to KKSM and LRN.FM. Be right back with Dan Johnson of People Against the National Defense Authorization Act. The good kind of panda, not sexual harassment. Mm, you like music? Does it make you want to dance? Maybe you could do a little dance for me. KKSM AM 1320 Oceanside, the radio revolution. Since time began, tyrants have taken aim at personal liberties. Now there's a movie that aims back. 
The government has no more right to tell us what to put in our bodies than they have to take our guns or tell us what books we can read. I wonder how prohibitionists would feel if they saw medical marijuana vastly improve the life of someone dear to them. Today, many cops who enforce pot laws do so only because it provides them with cushy jobs, good benefits, and a chance to push people around. I was an undercover narcotics officer. The drug war is nothing but a farce. Six drug police were eaten by bears while raiding a marijuana farm. On your knees, you dirty hippie! Jesus. On your knees! What's the problem, officer? The Second Amendment says you gotta keep you and your gat intact. Guns and Weed, The Road to Freedom. A film by Michael W. Dean and Nima Vidati. Available from Guns and In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoin. I'm Alex Fiddle, host of Free Thought Radio. As long as they don't feel their environment and they don't worry about it, they're not going to do anything to change it. And something's got to be done before America scarfs up the world and f***s on it. Tune in as I break down the corporate media's myths in regards to the news and the morality of war. How are we going to keep building nuclear weapons? What's going to happen to the arms industry when we realize we're all one? <laughs> it's going to f*** up the economy. The economy that's fake anyway. I also share genres of music excluded by the mainstream radio, such as heavy metal. And I'll tell you what, you can't kill metal. Plenty of guest interviews from musicians to presidential candidates to screaming spacemen. Your source for independent, libertarian, progressive, and anti-war viewpoints and honest music is live Mondays from 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time, only on KKSM AM 1320, The Radio Revolution, and podcasting on LRN.FM, Liberty Radio Network. Visit the website and donate Bitcoin at freethoughtmedia.org. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN. KKSM Oceanside. You know, women are a complicated bunch. AM 1320. They're like grapes. That's all I got, because I said bunch, yeah. and then I thought of grapes. Radio Revolution. Welcome to Free Thought Radio, freethoughtmedia.org. I'm your host, Alex Fiddle. And uh, you know, I said that I, I had food poisoning earlier today. I'm completely over it. I feel much better. Blah! No, just kidding. <laughs> That uh, was a bad avocado. But my next guest uh, started this organization when he was 19 years old. I started this radio show when I was 18 years old. I'm so glad to see that the you know the, this liberty movement is burgeoning with people that see their future, see that as you know a collapsing dollar. Uh, you know that, that they're not. You know you can't even get a minimum wage job to afford afford toilet paper, let alone you know a razor and some blades to shave your face to make yourself look nice for the first interview to even get that first job, let alone you're losing your civil liberties to get kidnapped by, you know, for having certain thoughts, political views before you can even get that job. 
uh, and you know that's what makes young people so fired up for this liberty movement. Uh, rather than, you know, the old guard of, of both parties, which depend on, you know, just keeping dinosaur parties alive rather than the a- actual issues, rather than, you know, using silver as as money, because if you use silver as money, then you don't have to report it to the IRS and thus no more income tax. You know, when you get rid of legal tender laws and, you know, there's under, you know, people use silver still in the underground, like in an agorist way. But if it were actually, you know, the government would stop putting their guns at it. For a second, you'd have a thriving economy that's more than just a couple underground uh, things. Uh, so you, I'm so glad to see people like my next guest, who is taking the National Defense Authorization Act head-on, worked with the people from the Restore the Fourth rally to you know, take on spying. Uh, but you know, if you have any shred of caring for making sure that the United States of America represent, stays the United States of America and not the United Stasi of America, and we'll get to that later, then you'll want to pay close, close attention to my next guest. Joining me now is Dan Johnson. He's the founder of People Against the National Defense Authorization Act, which is acronym PANDA. Uh, and you can visit them at pandaunite.org. Dan, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on. No problem. So you were 19 years old when you formed People Against the NDAA. How did you discover the particular provision of the NDAA? What do you think about it being passed on New Year's kind of underhandedly uh, when nobody was paying attention? And, and why did that spark you to, for, to form Panda? Well, I, I have to uh, kind of blame my friend because he introduced me to stumble upon, And it is an endless, wonderful procrastination tool. <laughs> Uh, but uh, with that, I threw one of my interests as politics, and I came across a video called 61 Senators Betrayed You Today. And I remember sitting here watching that video and going, you've got to be kidding me. In America? In America this is happening? And uh, decided to do it, uh, do about a, about a month and a half of research or so, to make sure I was on the wrong, the right side of the issue, and found out it really was as bad as they were saying, and it, it shocked me so much because they showed the parallel between Nazi Germany, 1933 Reichstag Fire Decree, and the NDAA, 2012 uh, America. I remember looking at that and going, "Not in my country," and he passed it. You, you talk about him being underhanded passing it on New Year's Eve. That's something all your listeners can really pay attention to. They tend to do this. Whenever Congress wants to sneak something through so egregious that the last two times the NDA was used in the United States, or a different version of it, was when Lincoln suspended habeas corpus during the Civil War. Uh, he also said that any person who is disloyal to the government would be placed under military jurisdiction. 15,000 Northerners detained within five years. When FDR put in his executive order 9066 and said the military can have jurisdiction over certain areas, they detained 110,000 Japanese Americans within five years. Wow. That was the last two times. This is the exact same thing Mm -hmm. coming up once again. And when I saw all the parallels and you see this kind of dangerous piece come together, look at CISPA. Uh, the first time they tried to pass CISPA, what day did they pick? Do you remember? Nope. Most people don't. The NFL draft. <laughs> they picked the day when America would not be watching. And so you look at God. New Year's Eve and look at the NDA being passed here, and you see 
they do that on purpose. Behind closed doors and under the cover of darkness is when evil is put forth. And that's what inspired me to take action. Exactly. And, and for, for our listeners, the Federal Reserve Act was passed on Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> the NDA was debated on Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> So, so the Constitution never mentions citizen, and it says no person shall be deprived of their life, liberty, or property without due process uh, of law. Um, and, and that's, you know, in the case of, you know, the Guantanamo Bay prisoners, which is, is, is plainly wrong. Do you think that the treatment of foreign nationals by the government under the Patriot Act, uh, pre-like mid-Bush mid uh, years, do you think that that was kind of just treating them as guinea pigs? Um, for the eventual mission creep of such policies that would be applied to American citizens via the passage of the NDAA? Well, first of all, I like the point that you make, and it says there is no mention of citizen in the Bill of Rights. There isn't, and it's for a reason. It's because our rights come from our Creator. They come from nowhere else. And if you put citizen or a legal barrier, legal boundary to getting your rights, all the government would have to do is say, Sorry, Alex, yep. you're no longer a citizen. Man, you know, that kind of sucks. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry you don't have any rights anymore. Um, and uh, on and on, and, and that would, would go in that fashion. As far as testing for guinea pigs, uh, while I wouldn't use the term guinea pigs necessarily, I would, you talk about mission creep, and uh, in the political world, I guess you could say, it's called... Um, creeping totalitarianism mm -hmm. every regardless of whether it's anarchy whether it's a democracy whether it's a republic it doesn't matter every type of government inevitably heads toward uh or every type of governmental structure inevitably heads toward tyranny and so you talk about this mission creep and yeah it is mission creep they start and they see how much can the american people take if we detain a couple foreign guys really bad terrorists mm -hmm. Will the American people react or not? If we launch a drone strike and kill Anwar al-Waki and Abdurrahman al-Waki in two separate drone strikes and then two other American citizens who they never talked about till this year, will the, what will the American people do? Will they do anything? And when the American people didn't respond, they moved farther and farther and farther. I want to say it was Frederick Douglass who said something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing, the amount of tyranny the public will take is the amount of tyranny they will be given. Exactly. That's a definitely a great way to put it because we do, we believe all this propaganda that everybody's a terrorist so we don't care about uh, foreign nationals and then you add nationalism and thinking that people on another side of a border are less human um, really allows this stuff to creep, to creep forward. Absolutely. Um, so what, what are the implications of indefinite detention for American citizens that people can no longer expect, you know, a cop's going to at least say, uh, maybe except with the case of Adam Koch, as they're going to at least say that, hey, I think you're violating this thing. I'm going to detain you and then eventually charge you with something to be tried with. Uh, does it really imply that people can be snatched up in the middle of the night without knowing anything, not even being said that they've done something wrong? Well, one thing to keep in mind is, although indefinite detention is a great way to sell the NDAA to people and to, and to show them here's what's wrong with the bill, it's nowhere near the most dangerous part of the legislation. 
Um, the power to indefinitely detain comes from Section 1021, where they talk about anyone who is uh, commits a belligerent act or is associated forces or substantially or directly supports al-Qaeda, the Taliban, or associated forces will be or could be detained by the armed forces of the United States in a military prison pending disposition of the law of war. So there's where you get your detention. But the most dangerous part of the NDAA, before I move on to, to your question, more dangerous part of the NDAA is that final phrase, pending disposition under the law of war. It's important to understand that the law of war has no constitutional rights in it whatsoever. As in the law of war and the law of um, the military, the military uniform code of military justice uh, asserts, does not offer any constitution any constitutional protections of your rights. Uh, here's a, a great um, example: Nazi Germany had a two-track court system. They had one track. If they liked you, they gave you your constitutional rights. You got a Germany's version of an Article Three civilian trial, and you probably went back into society. But if they didn't like you, they gave you a military trial, if a trial at all, and anything under the laws of war applied to you. That includes execution, torture, rendition, being taken to a foreign country, etc., 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 etc. So it's important to understand that indefinite detention is not the most dangerous part of the NDAA. It's the application of the laws of war and violating the entire Constitution by simply ignoring it and casting it off to the side. In the later episode, if you want, we can go into further detail on the laws of war uh, and how dangerous it is. But it's important to understand it's not just indefinite detention. It's a complete evisceration of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Definitely. Is that why uh, Senator Lindsey Graham, and this wasn't a criticism, he proudly stated that this turns America into a battlefield. Yeah, he says the world is the battlefield, including the homeland. And uh, the um, uh, BEMA, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but BEMA is the Biometrics Identity Management Agency. It's headed up by a doctor who uh, specialized in PSYOPs. And they have a video on the homepage of BEMA. It depicts a biometric system being used in Afghanistan, moves across the world and is being used in a gulf off the coast of Africa and moves across the world and it says theater, homeland, USA. Homeland, USA, theater, theater of war. We're a battlefield now, according to the NDAA. So it works to make us a battlefield where the laws of war are being applied. Now, if the law of, laws of war are being applied to an area and that area is a battlefield and uh, American citizens can be detained under the NDAA, under those laws of war. Who's the enemy? The people. Us. Exactly. And the treason clause of my constitution says that treason shall only exist in levying war against them, talking about the states and the people, and in providing aid and comfort to their their enemies. So aren't our congressmen who voted for the 2012 NDAA completely and entirely uh, guilty of treason to the Constitution, for starters, but should each and every one of them should be dragged into a court and tried for treason? Yeah, definitely. Um, (laughs) What implications does this have to peaceful political activists 
who are not on the side of the status quo, who could be deemed enemy combatants, given the the broad uh, definitions of the terms domestic terrorist. You talk about the broad definitions. And for any activists out there, first of all, if you're going to stand up, stand up now. You have the resources now. You have a free and open Internet now. And you have the you still have a uh, princi- the principles and the values of the founders to look to to engage in your activism and to fight for the Constitution. If you're going to stand up, stand up now, because if you don't stand up now, you'll stand up later, eventually, when it gets bad enough. And by then, you won't have the resources you have now if you don't stand up now. So first of all, stand up now. But secondly, here's an idea of how broadly these are considered and a a note to all activists and how this affects every organization engaged in anything, politics, economics, any any type of engagement whatsoever. Here's how it, it is defined. Judge Catherine Forrest asked the government, define belligerent act for me. And they couldn't. And so she says, okay, let me help you out. I'm going to give you a scenario, and you're going to decide whether a person in this scenario could be classified as a belligerent detained or NDAA. She said, if I have a book, right, and uh, the entire book is fiction, but at the front cover of the book says, I support the political goals of al-Qaeda and the Taliban. Nothing else in the book refers to them. The entire book is fiction. Would that be enough to consider someone a belligerent act? Under the NDAA, or belligerent under the NDAA, and the government looked at her and said, "We don't know." If they will say we don't know because you wrote something in a book, how much more could they say that, that President Reagan planned to detain anti-war activists using the FBI? FDR had a custodial detention list of people who uh, would be detained if war broke out. So uh, the danger to activists is very real. They could pick any activist off the street, any person who they merely don't like. You don't have to be an activist. You could be family of an activist. You could be a a Facebook friend of an activist. There is a case going on right now in Florida that the only thing that tied these men to al-Qaeda was they liked an al-Qaeda Facebook page. That was the only thing that tied them to al-Qaeda, but is still enough to make them a possible terrorist. And who says they're just going to use it on al-Qaeda? The government swore up and down, left and right, will never spy on American citizens. Ever, 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 ever. The NSA will be spying outside of our country. It'll always be looking outward. And then, um, oh yeah, 200 million. Oh, those aren't Americans. Those are... um, uh, He's a traitor. Yeah, yeah. those were all possible terrorists. Yeah, we, we stopped. I believe the word that uh, General Keith Alexander, head of the NSA, used was we stopped a bajillion terrorist attacks with the NSA. Um, which, I mean, I guess if that's true, if they did stop a billion terrorist attacks with the NSA, then it would make 200 million spied on inconsequential because, I mean, heck, what's that to a bajillion? <laughs> But, uh, yes, the government has an, an targeted activists in the past and, and may target activists in the future. Mm-hmm. What, what implications does the NDA have for journalists, whether they're independent or mainstream, uh, who, who speak out against government wrongdoing, uh, especially in the case of whistleblowers, uh, even those uh, who are not necessarily in the press but supply information to the press like Bradley Manning, right. who, who was indefinitely yeah. detained in, in Kuwait? Here's a perfect example um, of a whistleblower who's now running for his life, uh, Edward Snowden. 
Um, you've, I'm sure you've seen the memes, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego, except it's where in the world is uh, Edward Snowden. And uh, uh, the media has been following this around, but he's been said, you know, you committed espionage and as a whistleblower. But if you look at the implications for journalists, who is leading up the foremost lawsuit against the ADAA? Chris Hedges, mm -hmm. very famous New York Times journalist, um, uh, laying out a scenario. How does the NDA violate the First Amendment? Let's say you're a journalist and you hang out with me. And let's say I'm on the suspected terrorist watch list somewhere. I probably already am, but hey, whatever. Um, let's say I'm on a suspected me terrorist too. watch list somewhere. And Yeah, you. Okay, cool. <laughs> so you couldn't be the one hanging out with me. Someone else would have to. Because uh, then we'd be conspiring and associated forces with something. But anyway, um, so a journalist comes and hangs out with me and spends the day with me and wants to write a profile on me. If they know... They can be indefinitely detained without a charge and without a trial for simply committing a belligerent act that the government refuses to define. Are they going to be more likely to write a positive or a negative story about me? Even if they're not detained, they'll be more likely to write a negative story about me. And this is why Judge Forrest referred to it as chilling free speech. So journalists have a double motive to fight the NDA. Number one, it chills their free speech. Uh, look at James Rosen, reporter at Fox News, hacked into by the Justice Department. Look at the AP, hacked into by the Justice Department for two months. Uh, reporters are now being looked at as the enemy, as they should, as, as they should if you're a tyrant. Uh, reporters are the enemy. They're supposed to hold truth to power, and, and they're supposed to keep the government accountable. That's why they're the only industry protected in the Constitution. But it's a double uh, attack for journalists because... Number one, it chills free speech, and number two, they could be indefinitely detained for a story that they wrote. Mm -hmm. And you know, brings me to how uh, not people, both in the media and in the government, were calling for Glenn Greenwald's arrest. He wasn't even Snowden; he was the journalist that broke it. <sighs> I, I mean, like, what do you say at that point? Like, uh, Twilight there's Zone. A, there's a, well, entering the twilight zone is a good way to put it, but there's a statute that your listeners should look up, a very well-known statute. It's called Misprision of Treason. Now, the Founding Fathers took the oath of office very, very seriously. If you take a marriage vow and you break that marriage vow, are you still in that marriage? No. The Founding Fathers took the oath of office even more seriously than that. When our military men take the oath of office, they know that they're supposed to die for that oath, or they're supposed to be told that. They're supposed to die for that oath, if necessary. This almost the same oath that our elected officials take. It was one of the reasons kept corrupt people out of politics, so they knew they had to die for their oath. Mm -hmm. But if you commit treason to the Constitution, which is different than treason, treason to the Constitution is defined as taking powers the Constitution does not grant. If you commit treason to the Constitution, the penalty is hanging. That's how important they took the oath. But even further than that, misprision of treason. If you saw someone committing a treasonous act and didn't report it to a federal or state judge or competent official such as the president, you yourself would be charged with misprision of treason, which carries a prison sentence of no more than seven years in prison for just not reporting it. And so for those calling for Glenn Greenwald to be brought in, first of all, as a journalist stationed in the U.K., that's impressive. Um, and second of all, as a journalist who did not violate the Constitution, 
is not bound by the Constitution as UK journalist, number one. And number two, as someone who does not hold public office, is not bound by an oath of the Constitution. For people who take an oath, and not, and, you know, the press doesn't take an oath, and he can do whatever he wants, it's free speech. But for the people such as Representative Peter King, um, calling for Snowden and, and Greenwald and others to be tried for treason and all this fun stuff, they need to take the stand first. Because they have committed treason to the Constitution, and anyone watching them has committed misprision. It's uh, it is it is really twilight zone when even pro- it, well we protested ourselves to death in this country. Uh, we've done protests so many times that nobody cares anymore. But uh, even when uh, a, a perfect example, I guess, of how we're in the twilight zone right now, there is a medical marijuana bill. And whether you agree or disagree, that heed the point of the story. There was a medical marijuana bill came up for a vote in the North Carolina legislature. They had thousands of calls pouring in. People really wanted them to pass this. Their response? We were getting harassed, so we killed the bill. (laughs) (laughs) That is why you cannot work on a federal level and sometimes not even on a state level. You have to work from the local level. You have to fight with your friends and your family and the people in your community to one by one, little by little, introduce that separate but equal power, pushing back against the federal government, pushing that power back into its stead. Thomas Jefferson said, I know of no safer repository of the rights enshrined in the Constitution than of the people themselves. We, the people, have responsibility for what's happened. I cannot blame the president. I cannot blame Congress. I cannot blame anyone. I must blame myself. Me, the, we, the people, have the responsibility for what's happened. But because we also bear the responsibility, we have the power to change it. And it is reliant on we, the people, to do just that. Definitely. That, that, is, some, that is definitely a lot of powerful stuff. Um, Almost, and certainly the NDA is powerful in another a lot of ways. What implications does the NDA have in regards to not just de- detention but actual assassination without charge or trial, especially when it comes to activists and or journalists? Right. Okay. Uh, let's take the case of an American citizen who was gloated about and assassinated in Yemen, Anwar al-Walki. Anwar al-Walki's connection to terrorism was a couple emails between him and the Fort Hood shooter, uh, Major Hassan. And on a couple emails, the president made the executive decision to execute this person, which violates the treason clause of our Constitution, because if they are accusing him of treason, he needs to be brought back here to be tried for it. But he, in many ways, was a journalist. And whether you agree with what he said or not, he was a journalist and an American citizen living abroad. And uh, the uh, AUMF, or the Authorization for Use of Military Force, was the authority that Holder claimed in a speech at George Washington University that was the authority they used to kill Awaki. That Authorization for Use of Military Force was pointed outward. The NDAA, imagine a loaded gun pointed in Iraq and Afghanistan, because we use the authorization for use of military force to go to war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And it's not a very long bill. For those of you who haven't read any legislation before, it's a piece of cake. It's, it's a, like a page and a half. Um, 
But the AUMF was pointed at Iraq and Afghanistan. The NDAA took the power in the AUMF, didn't give it any additional power, but took the authority in the AUMF and pointed that authority at the United States. And so anything they did to Al-Waqi, they now claim they can do it to anyone on U.S. soil. They may not come out and say, well, we're going to totally kill Joe with a drone strike. But they don't have to say that. All they have to do is have legal, is come out with a legal justification for it. And a memo leaked to NBC News called the Drone White Paper said that your American citizenship is not a get-out-of-jail-free card from getting assassinated. Wow. If they would assassinate an American citizen in Yemen... They would assassinate an American citizen here, and the NDAA is the statute they use to justify it. Wow. Um, what, what do you make uh, of the 2013 NDAA and some of its addendums and possible reforms? Well, first of all, it's important to remember that everything, all the amendments in the 2013 NDAA did absolutely nothing to solve the problem. Uh, the Smith Amash Amendment, which would have done something, failed. Uh, as did the Smith and Mosh Amendment this year, failed as well. But uh, we released a, a piece on our website called Smoke and Mirrors, uh, the NDAA 2013 amendments. And you go through each of these amendments, and we go through them on the website. It's much too long to go through now. The addendums they added, we called it the Globe Theater. The reason we called it the Globe Theater is that's what it was words, theater, bring up the Japanese-Americans who were detained and then in front of their faces introduce an amendment that supposedly protects our rights, the Feinstein-Lee Amendment, but introduce that amendment and then uh, tell these Japanese-Americans that this will will stop it from happening ever again and have that amendment do the exact opposite. It was a globe theater. And people like Rand Paul, people like Feinstein, people like Mike Lee, supporting these type of amendments, I hate to say they're incompetent, but that, that's a possibility. They're either A, incompetent, or B, deliberately trying to trick the American people. Imagine the American people as a kettle. The water boils, the water boils, it reaches a tipping point. The American people or the kettle starts screaming and screaming. And instead of anything being done to calm the reason they're screaming, a politician walks up, they'll pop a little, little bit, let the steam out, close the kettle, all is well. It's exactly what those 2013 amendments were doing. And Congress, and that's why we're not relying on Congress, so it's call your congressman once. That's it. Once. Inform the discretion once. If they vote against the Constitution, it's not worth your time. And uh, we're not focusing on Congress. We're focusing on the states. We're focusing on the cities. We're focusing on the counties. And we're focusing on the sheriffs. Because it is time for our sheriffs, our local government, and our state government. They all took an oath of office to the Constitution, too. And it's time for them to stand up and prove they meant it. And they signed that, signed that piece of paper. It's not time to rely on Congress. They have sold the American people down the river more times than I could possibly say in a row in a 30-minute interview. But they have sold the American people down the river, and it is time for us to stand up in our local communities. If Washington, D.C. fell in the lake, there are very few people I would helicopter out to save. <laughs> and, and the world would be better off. Mm-hmm. But... Right now, it is time for we the people, I talked about it before, it's time for we the people to stand up because nothing they've done in Washington so far has had any effect 
And the things that did have an effect, such so as the Smith and Marsh Amendment, which Representative Gibson from New York signed on to, has had a chance to make it in the bill and to be signed into law. Wow, exactly. And just for reference, I, I tried calling my Congressman Daryl Issa about... Um, Issa? Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> about stopping the war in Syria, and they hung up with me like halfway before I finished, and it was just a, a disaster. Um, another recent addendum to the NDA pretty much verbally tethered the U.S. foreign policy to protect Israel from whatever they deem as a, quote, existential threat. Regardless of what people think about Israel's foreign policy or what those existential threats are, or if they're actually ex- threats or not, um, doesn't that put us in an entangling alliance and pledge American lives to die for someone else's country? Well, I haven't read the exact statute you're talking about. Um, the NDAA is huge. Uh, I have seen a little bit about it, and from what I have seen, it does tie us in somewhat of a mutual defense agreement, like we have with Japan. Uh, If Japan were attacked, the United States would come to their aid. If Israel were attacked, um, I'm not sure this section actually mandates us to go to their aid, maybe send them weapons, maybe send them arms. Uh, What it does seem to do is if Israel were to attack Iran, it essentially gives them carte blanche to do that. So uh, it does put us in in a little bit more of an entangling alliance with Israel. And the important thing to remember about entangling alliances is that's how we got into World War II. Mm -hmm. In World War II, we gave arms to a former enemy, the British. Now, today, we're giving arms to a former enemy, al-Qaeda in Syria. Mm -hmm. And so... uh, Uh, It is an entangling alliance that has continually gotten us into trouble over and over and over again. This is not to say don't trade with the rest of the world, not to say don't work with the rest of the world. Getting in entangling alliances and fighting wars uh, overseas that uh, bring – essentially, um, war is great for everyone but the American people because it brings the economy to essentially a screeching halt. You can't pay for that type of stuff. So it it does give us an entangling alliance with uh, one more country. I mean, what's one more out of, what, 80, 90, 150, whatever, um, that we still have. So it it continues to uh, mess up U.S. foreign policy, and and it's one more reason to oppose uh, certain sections in the NDAA. Definitely. Um, for those just listening, I'm speaking with Dan Johnson. He's the founder of PANDA. That's People Against the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, so, so what is PANDA doing, uh, and how can people help out with pushing their states and localities to nullify the NDAA? Yeah, PANDA, uh, like I said, we'll work with Congress here and there. There's a couple good guys on the Hill. Uh, Amash, Hillscamp, uh, Walter Johns from North Carolina recently introduced a bill to stop your TV from spying on you. Wow. <laughs> can't believe we need one of those. Um, <laughs> but there are some good guys. But we're focusing on the state and local level because there are two ways to restrict a power that defines its own limits. The first way to restrict a power that defines its own limits is to define limits for it and make those limits as sacred as possible. Our founding fathers did a great job with that in the Constitution. However, the second portion is uh, to have a separate but opposite and equal power or or slightly stronger power to push that power back into place. That's what the founding fathers set up the state and county governments to do. And so we are going to the state and county governments and really any elected official who 
has an oath and who takes an oath to the Constitution. And we are working with them to, first of all, pass legislation. It gives us grounds to work from. To second of all, get the enforcers, the police chiefs, the sheriffs, etc., to stand up for the Constitution, stand up for the rights of the people, and refuse to allow this to happen in their county or their state. And then finally, we're looking to the people to back them up as public officials and to hold their feet to the fire if they won't do the trick. Uh, we have had, we battled actually this year in 22 state legislatures in the biggest uprising since the Mandatory Speed Limit Act, which essentially said, hey, we're going to have a speed limit of 55, and if you don't have a speed limit of 55, we're going to cut your highway funding. New Hampshire looked at its uh, five miles of highway and went, whatever. <laughs> and then another state did it, and another state did it, and another state did it. The last time the state stood up for the Constitution, and the last time the state stood up against federal power is because we were restricting their speed limits. This time, states are standing up for the Constitution, and what bills that you would never thought would come through state legislatures, bills against federal intrusions like the NDAA, are now going through. They're not getting signed to law, but they're going through committee. They're ending up on floor votes. They're ending up we're really making some real progress here in um, the United States and at the state and local level. So that is how we take it, state and local, to take our, our country back because goodness knows it's not going to come from the top. I guarantee you, you replace the president, not going to change a dang thing because the power is still there. They did not say the title corrupts. They did not say your name corrupts or you're born corrupted. Lord Acton said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Not you're born with the name Barack Obama, you are automatically a power-hungry fiend, although he is. It does not, it's not because of the name, it's not because of the person, it's the power in place. We go from the local level where they reach out to you you have more power than they do, and you can stop tyranny in your city and in your town. One town, one county, one city at a time. Definitely. Um, as a final question, um, since they are using this provision rel relatively sparingly, uh, it's not a widespread thing where they're just going and sweeping up everybody. Um, uh, you know, e even if it is used spar sparingly, such a power to give government's not a good thing. For argument's sake, maybe Obama is saintly and would only use this on bad guys, but he's out in four years. And whoever takes his seat, like you said, will have that same power to wield in whatever fashion they like, which would be different than Obama's uh, decrees. Um, uh, of course, sacrificing liberty never gets a security, so sec security is never going to arise from this in the future. So what would a future under routinely used NDA NDA provisions look like to you? I hearken back to February 18th, 1942, when President Roosevelt signed the order and 110,000 Japanese Americans were detained. Now, no, nothing in that order says anything about detention. It says the military can have jurisdiction over an area. So people who are arguing, well, the NDAA couldn't authorize that, well, you could also argue that 9066 didn't authorize that as well. But it gave the military jurisdiction over certain areas. They detained 110,000 people. Today, the most likely group to be targeted is those of the Islamic faith. Mm -hmm. uh, those would be targeted in detention centers uh, because of that. However, I think they've learned from history. And if I were a tyrant, I'm not. But if I were a tyrant, <laughs> I wouldn't be stupid as to try to round up as many people as possible. 
I would very carefully use it to pick off activist leaders, to pick off leaders of groups I don't like, or to just use it in a very arrogant fashion. I don't like your car color, and you made me angry by parking in my parking spot. Um, and, and do, I wouldn't want do to park that. in Obama's parking spot. No, no, that would seem like a, uh, a very bad night for sure. Um, but uh, what I'm getting at is I don't think it'll ever be used to mass round up people. Uh, because the American people have been under what's called a soft tyranny for so long, they've gotten used to it. Being spied on, being uh, uh, having homeland security here, there, and everywhere, having the TSA at, at uh, airports is a hard tyranny because they dump out your purse and look in the contents, whereas the surveillance camera only looks at the contents of your purse. It doesn't actually dump it out. So the American people have overall been under such a soft tyranny, and it's worked so well for so long that I think they they would continue with the soft tyranny concept and only use the NDAA where they thought they could get away with it, which would be here, there, pick off people, call them extremists, pick off people, call them extremists. But even that is way too dangerous of a power to give any president or any man. I wouldn't even give my own mother that power. <laughs> exactly. Definitely. Where can people find uh, people against the National Defense Authorization Act online, and how do they get involved? Yeah, you can find us at pandaunite.org. That's pandaunite.org. Panda is spelled just like a little fuzzy bear. We are not panda. We are panda. <laughs> um, you can go to pandaunite.org, facebook.com slash pandaunite, twitter.com slash pandaunite, and youtube.com slash TV. You can join the fight there. Right now we uh, have about 35 or 36 states with state team leaders, and we are currently looking for uh, several different states, including if you're in the northwest uh, and middle north of the country, uh, nobody from your state really ever contacts us. So um, we're looking for state team leaders in those states, and we're looking to join forces and stand shoulder to shoulder with you in the fight to tyranny. Uh, now, I'm 20 years old now. I got in this fight because I wanted there to be a future for my family. I wanted there to be a future for my friends. I wanted there to be a future for this country. People told me over and over, my own mayor told me I should go back to basic government class. <laughs> and my councilman told me to do something I actually had an effect on. This is, goes out to all the young people who are listening into your podcast. When my councilman told me to do something I could have an effect on, and my mayor told me to go back to basic government class, my answer was to take that quote, put it on my wall, and look at it. And remember, I did this to prove you wrong. You can, as a young activist, change the world. That's what I got into this to do. That's what we've done. We've become the largest civil liberties organization in the country in a little over a year, one of the largest in the country in a little over a year and a half. And that's what every single person out there can do as well. Thank you for having me on, Alex. No problem. Right on. And that was Dan Johnson of People Against the National Defense Authorization Act, PandaUnite.org. Uh, you know, and he's 20, I'm 21. Uh, probably far more outspoken than any of these paid political hacks that hold elected office. 
Uh, and, you know, I know he mentioned speaking at his, uh, his local city council. I did the same. I just, you know, showed up to a, a non-agenda item speaking session, you know, where you could speak on anything, spoke on the National Defense Authorization Act. And you know what? I, I have a philosophy when it comes to my m- music or a radio show. You know, whether it's one person or a hundred people, you do the same thing, even if it's not receptive. I may have not been very receptive because when I said the definition of domestic terrorists is so broad that Ron Paul supporters are there. Somebody who was probably like, uh, obviously, sheep thinks that what Ron Paul is talking about is a joke. I don't know why they would think that people uh, with badges should be able to use guns against peaceful people. Uh, That's certain people have extra rights, but maybe they don't have a sense of self-ownership. You know, maybe they don't have a as self-identity and thus are insecure and feel the need to laugh at me for something that's very serious. I mean, they may not care about me because I'm not their son or something. What what if their son was a Ron Paul supporter, got snatched up in the middle of the night because, oh, he's a domestic terrorist? Then they would care. That's the, that's the depravity uh, of the American psyche right now is that it, it has to happen to me. Who cares if it happens to brown people over in the Middle East? Oh, if, it, if it's over my skies or only if it happens to somebody in my family, that's when I begin to care. But no, nobody begins to care just by thinking that putting yourself in somebody else's consciousness, like a Palestinian children, child who you know just got their home bulldozed or, or just got killed by a drone strike. I mean, you know, just put yourself in Abdul Rahman, Alawaki's shoes, just imagine being eviscerated by a drone strike. You are no more. You are not enjoying the fruits of life anymore. Whatever comes after. Not many people can do that because so many people are just inundated by the mainstream media. They, they, they don't seem to care about liberty. But at the same time, so many people are. And, and it's people my age and not always. I mean, you know, not saying that, you know, oh, young people are so elitist. You know, we are, uh, we're the only ones that know. No, it's just, it's just we kind of have a vantage point that we see the future being bleak, whether it be for liberty or, or economically with the Federal Reserve and the dollar and everything. Um, and, and so that's why I think it's important that, and we are getting involved. I mean, it, it was pretty much mostly people my age that were marching in the streets of San Diego uh, for the Restore of the Fourth Amendment. And that was like 300 people. I'm looking at the pictures of the Trayvon Martin thing filling the entire uh, bridge. And I'm going to go into that in the next hour because it's a bit of a nitpicky thing. Um, and the media is sensationalizing it and using it to distract you from, you know, you know, the government kills way more people of color, but they're from the Middle East, so we don't care. They're all terrorists. You know, Abdul Rahman, you know, he uh, he kind of has the same hair as me, except he's a uh, much darker skin because he's uh, from Arabic descent. 16 years old. He didn't even assault somebody. Uh and President Obama, he didn't, uh, Abdul Rahman didn't assault President Obama, and he gets killed not by someone standing five feet away from him with a gun, but someone half a world away in a freaking video game console, treating his life like a video game. You know, that's why aren't there people filling the San Francisco Bridge over that, or this war in Syria, the war against Iran, or every time that somebody's uh, home in Palestine gets bulldozed by force uh, to put some settlement in there. We got our priorities only set on this nationalist stuff. And you know what? Hitler was nationalist. Israel is nationalist. We're only focusing on this nationalism, which makes us support the National Defense Authorization Act, support the erosion of our civil liberties. So, you know, think that people that live on the other side of the border are less human, but we're all human beings here and we all have the same rights. We can't have our rights taken away by some person writing it on a piece of paper. Our rights are inherent. Yes, we could have a democracy to elect people, but 
That doesn't mean absolute democracy. You can't democratically vote away somebody's rights. You know, rights are supposed to be enshrined. Everything else can be decided upon democratically. Uh, but when it comes to rights, you know, there's that floor that hits to say, nope, nope, sorry, no matter even if 51%, sorry, that's, that's a floor protecting your rights. Uh, uh, but that's not happening. We have this National Defense Authorization Act where we have a, a majority of people in the Senate, which is not a majority of, of people in the country, but they get to do this. Um, so I want to play two songs that have to do uh, with exactly what we were talking about. This first one is by the Plasmatics. It's called Uniformed Guards. And the line is, Uniformed guards take your neighbor away in the night. And, you know, thought police watch every feeling that you show. It's about, you know, indefinite detention and kidnapping people without charge of trial. But they have badges on, and they're from the government, so it's okay. And, you know, those people are probably terrorists anyways. <laughs> you know, that's just, you know, it, it just amazes me how many so-called liberals have taken up the George Bush mentality when it comes to uh, just because the party has changed. No principles, no spine. And then after that, uh, the government totally sucks by Tenacious D. So uniformed guards by the plasmatics. And then after that, the government totally sucks by... Tenacious D, here on KKSM, the Radio Revolution, and LRN.FM, the Liberty Radio Network, freethoughtmedia.org. Nullify the National Defense Authorization Act.
totally sucks, you mother The government totally sucks Ben Franklin was a rebel indeed He liked to get naked while he smoked on the weed He was a genius, but if he was here today The government would f*** him up as right as Now let me tell you something about the government uh -huh. They're f***ing up the environment Say what? They're taking all the f***ing beautiful animals Yeah And making them f***ing extinct Oh no! The government totally sucks you The government totally sucks The government totally sucks Cause the land Government Totally Sucks by Tenacious D, and before that, Uniform Guards by Plasmatics. Going to my uh, guest from People Against the National Defense Authorization Act, Dan Johnson. If you missed any part of the episode, it's on iTunes. Search for Free Thought and look for Free Thought AAC. Also, podcasting on the LRN.FM weekly podcast loop whenever that airs uh, throughout the week. And uh, I want to talk a bit about some local news. Uh, the city of Encinitas passed a bar moratorium, or at least they passed half of it. So they, they're exempting people who serve before 10 p.m. Wow. That's just uh, social engineering at its peak, you know, 10 p.m., you know, imposing a curfew. This is like family values at the point of a gun because this is, it isn't just friendly advice they're not saying you know alex i think he i don't think you should be drinking because you know you might misbehave so you know i'm just gonna give you this friendly advice in regards to drinking no that would be one thing that's voluntary that's no uh forces in that equation no the the busybodies that spoke they're asking for you know giving all these sob stories you know yes the crime is bad but they're not going to go after the crime they're going to impose it on everybody using force using a policeman with a badge and a gun and yes the policeman with a badge and a gun should be able to use that against people that do harm but what you can do what you uh like for example me as an individual i can't just go up to somebody that i disagree with their lifestyle let's say someone who likes um high school the musical and point a gun at them and say, you can't watch High School Musical. Give me your High School Musical DVDs for the incinerator. And if you continue, I will make you give you money and a fine. Or I will, uh, I will restrain you and put you away in a cell for watching High School Musical. That's the way, you know, prohibition works. This is kind of like neo-prohibition in a way. I can't do that morally. That's not moral, you know, pointing a gun at someone, dictating their life. You can't do anything by force morally uh, unless it's to restrain somebody that has already used force. So it's not initiate. It's the defense. Defense is legitimate use of such force. But in an initiative state, that is completely immoral against peaceful people. And the, just the lack of knowledge of civics and the 
busybodies that just want to get their way to do things, not by friendly advice, but by force, by a gun, pointing a gun at some, and they're not going to do it themselves. They're going to delegate it to somebody with a badge. And you know what? Cops, a lot of them do want to uphold the Constitution, do want to actually go after real crime, but it's institutionalized for them not to. So the reason why we have all this crime problems that they're all complaining about is because of victimless crime laws. You don't narrow in police resources on real crime by creating more victimless crime laws. They're just going to be continuing to go after things that divert them from the real crime, like the peeing on the walls or whatever people are complaining about. Go after the real crime. Spend more resources on the actual crime itself, not these victimless crime laws that are diverting police resources away from people that do actual harms. For example, marijuana laws. If you send a rape kit to the lab, because of all the marijuana testing that they have to do, it delays a rape kit years. Is that justice to you? Is that a good use of your tax dollars and police resources? Does pointing a gun at a peaceful person justify the use of force? No matter what you think of marijuana smokers, even if you think they're the devil's spawn, I'd tell you what is the devil's spawn. The devil's spawn to me is someone pointing a gun at someone. That is real immorality. That is, that is the evil of, of this earth is you pointing a gun at someone that's peaceful, that has not aggressed towards you, and then telling them what to do using force. They could put a nice facade over it. Oh, we're trying to reduce crime or everything. That just masks the ugliness of using force. It's immoral. It's not even constitutional. Nothing says that, you know, the only thing that you're supposed to use force on is in defense of someone else using force, like rape, robbery, murder, you know, all the actual crimes, but by making people go after business owners and their clientele for doing something after 10 p.m. and preventing new things from happening, new bars, that's that's just, you know, government, you know, more authoritarianism, more social engineering. Uh, I know what's best for you. Uh, one morality, uh, you know, we have to impose morality like we did in the 80s with the PMRC and all the televangelists. Uh, it, it just goes beyond any notion of liberty uh, and, and respect for other people. Because when you respect other people, no matter what you think of their views or their lifestyle, if they're not harming anybody, regardless of how imbibed they are in their mind, if they're so out of consciousness. And by the way, you know, Frank Zappa said, it's not the drug that causes the problem. It's the people that think that drugs give them an exclusive right to act like jerks. You know, there are plenty of people that can do plenty of whacked out substances and get along just fine. Intoxicants are never an excuse for crime. If you are imbibed on something and you commit a crime, you're damn right you should be uh, punished or, or subjected to uh, to actions. But if you can get along just fine and not hurt anybody, you're just having a good time within your own consciousness um, with other people uh, to get you away from the stresses of the, of the day. That's a human thing to do intoxicants. Then let those people be. Don't spend tax dollars. Don't point guns at them. Because when you point guns at them, that means that policeman is spending time pointing a gun at a peaceful person instead of pointing a gun at, like, a rapist or a murderer or, or like, someone that's peeing on the walls. And they, you know, want, and people want to look down on me because I'm 21 and I don't know what I'm talking about. But that, you know, they want to use force. They're so high or noble. There's nothing high or noble about using force. That is the libertarian notion. Non-aggression. 
you know, the 10 p.m. thing is still very arbitrary. You know, that's like that's that's the compromise is, you know, this 10 p.m., you know, like, uh, you know, treating people like children, this, you know, like sense the whole censoring video games, censoring music. This is exactly the same philosophy, you know, just imposing morality on other people, you know, the strict, you know, uptight white uh, stuffy guys, you know, using force to make other people live as stuffy as they do. You know, not everybody is the same. And not everybody acts out when they aren't stuffy uh, and use alcohol. And and I'll be the first to admit, alcohol is a horrible drug. I don't drink. I'll see that argument. Alcohol causes violent behavior. You put someone in, in a room with an alcoholic, it's bound to get violent or annoying or something stupid is going to happen. You put them in a room with a, a cannabis user and it's going to be all right. I've been to a few cannabis lounges in Canada. It is awesome. You know, the amount of peace and respect that's among people, no outrageous behavior, no lewd behavior. Everybody's getting along fine and nobody's bothering anybody and the police aren't bothering them because it's in a safe spot. You know, nobody's, there's taxis waiting to give people a ride home just like in a bar. Uh, so I would, pre- you know, I prefer cannabis lounges. I'd be the first one to say we have enough bars. And because of, you know, economic planning, central planning, you know, economic manipulation by people who not only think they know best for your personal life, but think they know best for the economy, which is completely anti-economic. Supply and demand is an equilibrium price is set by people engaging in voluntary transactions, not by somebody from up above telling them what to do and sticking a gun in that equation. That distorts the price, often to favor corporations. Corporations know that economic manipulators limit market share to them, keep you out of business, they do it anyways, on purpose. But they say they're for free markets, you know, to support Republicans who... Republicans aren't for free markets. They're only for their pockets. They're only for free markets when it's for their pockets. Every, everything else, they're, they're, for, they're for central economic planning. But, you know, it's because of the central economic planning that we have too many bars. It's because, you know, we don't have 3D printing of hemp cars. If we are all able to print cars out of our, out of our 3D printer in our own home, and, uh, you know, they use plastic for 3D printing. We have hemp farms that employ people and grow hemp to make sustainable green hemp plastic. So we're using biodegradable stuff. Better Hemp is a better plastic. You put the audio industry out of business, and that would diversify the economy. If you, if you stop planning the economy and have more diversity, you would have less bars and more things that actually produce things rather than consumptive economic activities. And that would that would make give some backbone to the economy because... The consumption economy is a house of cards. If you don't have any production in your economy to back up the consumption, then you're just enslaving Chinese children overseas to be your labor, be your production, and then you could sit on the beach and not not worry about anything. That's why people like my age, 65% of people my age don't have a job is because of this house of cards consumption economy, uh, which involves exporting things overseas where, you know, involves a lot of pollution with these chemical companies, you, you know, like... Uh, chemical-based cosmetics and everything like that. You know, not sustainable, but if we had more diversity, we'd have less bars, less problems, more cannabis lounges, less problems, uh, less people pointing guns at peaceful people, whether in the economic realm or in the social realm. You'll have more prosperity, more peace, and you'll have cops going after real crime. If if the people really understood, you know, that force doesn't work, force is only immoral, and it's only for people who want to control other people, like authoritarians and tyrants, then they might actually realize that they actually solve the things that they're trying to solve, like the crimes, by actually getting rid of victimless crime laws and focusing on the actual crime of the policing, not placing blanket moratoriums. 
And in other local news, I marched with the uh, San Diego Libertarian Party at the uh, San Diego Pride Parade. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Saw a lot of other... We were, uh, you know, because San Francisco Pride, as far as the board went, they were neglecting Bradley Manning, although there were a lot of contingents in San Francisco Pride did it anyways, did their own... We did we, we did that. We weren't going to pay attention to any doctrines or previously said things that Bradley Manning is taboo. No way. Had, had a big Bradley Manning sign, saw like, groups like Canvas for a Cause and uh, other groups doing Bradley Manning, uh, a lot of solidarity for Bradley Manning, and people... We're cheering for Bradley Manning and also cheering when we had cannabis as medicine sign and our people were asking for free samples. So it was a, it was a really fun time um, standing up for individual liberty, standing up for the notion that I'm so glad that the United States passed marriage equality, but at the same time we're committing war crimes. So that's what's known as pinkwashing, you know, taking, uh, taking a good stance on gay issues to cover up your ugly, uh, you know, murdering of, you know, innocent people, this infanticidal warmongering policies of both political parties. That's pinkwashing. They do the same in Israel. Well, we're, we're good for the gays, but we, we are an apartheid and, and do all these horrible things. So, uh, you know, we brought attention to pinkwashing and individual rights, getting government out of the marriage business completely, and had a lot of good time just, you know, dancing to the music, waving signs, and seeing uh, the awesome Dr. Bronner's magic foam experience. I do the, uh, Dr. Bronner's challenge in my house. So it was awesome to see people foam, foaming each other with uh, soap that doesn't kill the earth. But you're listening to KKSM Oceanside AM 1320, the radio revolution. Gonna take a quick break. Be right back after this. KKSM Oceanside. I'm sure that it's going to be a hit single. AM 1320, the radio revolution. We're from the government and we're going to solve all your problems. Do you know what your problem is? Sometimes people make the wrong choices, but we're going to help them make the right choices. With guns. Hey, you're not running your business right. You're not paying people enough money. You're not hiring the right people. You keep firing the wrong people. Well, do it different. Do it different now! They got two boys kissing on the TV. We can't have that. We can't have boys kissing boys and girls kissing girls. Stop it! Stop it now! You're not doing religion right. You're worshiping all wrong and believing all wrong and wearing the wrong symbols. Well, fix it. Fix it now, damn it. Are you interested in peaceful solutions to LGBT issues? Listen to Flaming Freedom on the Liberty Radio Network every Tuesday and Saturday night from 10 p.m. to midnight. Or download any show for free from flamingfreedom.com. Hi, I'm Derek J. I don't want a politician to represent me. To me, government is the idea that one group of people can coerce everyone to comply with an edict or face increasing punishments up to and including death. Despite perhaps the most noble of intentions, the best government services are a far cry from what could be provided for by voluntary interactions. Besides, the people who call themselves the government wage wars and put peaceful people in jail for crimes involving no victims. If Starbucks used some of its money to drop bombs, I wouldn't shop there. So why would I support the American empire? The empire does not require my consent. 
Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. You can order your copy of the Director's Cut DVD now at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. KKSM Oceanside. You took the mystery burger. You are in full possession of the burger. AM 1320. You will have to sign for it. Sure, man, I'll sign. Where's the pencil? I don't wish to alarm you, my son, but the signature will have to be in blood. The Radio Revolution. Welcome back to Free Thought Radio, freethoughtmedia.org. My guests for tonight were the Ben Swan, investigative journalist, winner of an Emmy Award and an Edward Murrow Award for journalism. You know, really restoring the fourth estate. If you're relying on MSNBC to get your news, you know, they're they're not as liberal as they say they are. They're agreeing with Dick Cheney on a daily basis, with it, especially with this Edward Snowden thing. So they've really shown their tail as a, as a turncoat and fake liberals. You know, if you really want to get true progressive media, I'd say turn into democracy now or... or, or you know, look for the people that are actually hold their principles. Cindy Sheehan, one of one of the people I I hold you know to high esteem. May not agree on everything, but I think she's an awesome person. And you know what she says it herself: people with situational principles. I, I like that term because it's an oxymoron. You don't have principles if they're situational, and when you don't have principles, you lose your liberties. And when you lose your liberties, you're going to end up in jail for a crime involving no victim, and that is horrible. Before I talk about, you know, Adam Kokesh and everything, um, actually, this kind of does tie into Adam Kokesh because we're not hearing the uh, we're not hearing the real headlines, especially um, with with, the, with this Trayvon Martin thing. And you know, I think there is uh, definitely when Ben Swan talked about the left versus right paradigm being so rigid and you know pull, divide and conquer the elites, the media people are doing this on purpose to divide you and conquer you. Rather than take an independent kind of objective look at this, you know, uh, and and I uh, I want to kind of read this status that I wrote on, on Facebook uh, because it, you know I'm taking a very independent, unorthodox view of this because the first point I want to make is that the government is killing of you know put aside one person that George Zimmerman, you know the the entire institution of government whether it be Bush or Obama or or you know the people in the CIA or FBI the government is guilty of killing plenty of innocent people, like to the tune of, I don't know, hundreds of millions. Uh, if you go back to, you know, who actually funds these people, like how the, you know, the Rothschild central bankers have funded the Nazis, the commies. Uh, you know, they gave Hitler a bunch of money. They they created, you know, State of Israel, Saudi Arabia, all these despotic leaders that kill a lot, like Mao and Stalin and Hitler. That's like a cool... I don't know, 80 million per communist plus, plus 6 million. That's a record. And, and those were based on people's skin color or religion. So here, here's what I, I wrote. The government's guilty of killing plenty of innocent people, white and black, but that's not on the headlines. Where is it on the headlines? Where is Bradley Manning exposing the killing of innocent Iraqis? You know, not white. 
and his trial is not on the headlines. President Obama personally oversaw the killing of 16-year-old Abdurrahman Al-Awlaki, who did not assault President Obama and was a non-white Muslim. Israel, and in Ramadan, during Ramadan, Israel is still jailing innocent Palestinian children who peacefully oppose settlers taking their land by the threat of lethal military force for Jewish-only segregated communities. Also not on the headlines. Not on the headlines are force-feeding Guantanamo Bay prisoners against their will during Ramadan during the fasting time. Adam Kokesh, jailed for nonviolently exercising his personal political beliefs and nonviolently exercising his Second Amendment rights, also you know, was stereotyped by the government as a terrorist. And, and let me break down the, the situation of what happened with the raid on his home uh, just days after he made that video of him just loading and cocking a shotgun. No violence committed. They say, you know, he is a domestic terrorist. So the, the D.C. Park Police and the Department of Homeland Security, who I deem are actual terrorists, knocked down the door. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't have a, like a really illegal warrant. They knocked down the door, blew up some flash grenades. You know, there was, this was militarized police force. This wasn't like average bag, badge and a gun tone guy. This was SWAT militarized police force. Break into his private home. Flash bombed his private home like with flash grenades. He was kind of in the vicinity in, in his house where it happened. He got you know injured. And then when, when they found him, he had his hands up. They, point, they still pointed their guns lasers at his chest, even as he raised his arms and surrendered. So would they have shot him? I mean, if they were on a big enough power trip because they were annoyed that Adam, Adam stands up for his rights and does civil disobedience. You know, D.C. Park Police kind of, uh, you know, it runs into Adam a lot. They could have just taken him out in cold blood, and that would have been illegal. But, you know, police are allowed to do that kind of thing. That's not in the headlines. The truth about the Boston bombing scenario will go under the rug with the Sarnia trial not being in the headlines either. And a lackluster report similar to the 9-11 commission blunder may result, and we may never get the whole truth about what happened on that day. With the see something, say something society we have, uh, thanks to Homeland Security, where quote, suspicious behavior is subjective, peaceful people can be profiled, whether for Muslim attire or for hoodie and skittles. Uh, Peaceful people can get sought out by vigilantes. And Zimmerman was not isolated from people of a different race than him. You know, a lot of people try to say that this is a this is like a definite racist thing. This is the mainstream media sensationalizing it to race bait. He did a lot of tutoring of black children, and himself was of Afro-Peruvian roots. For his, you know, Hispan- he's white Hispanic. His Hispanic are Afro-Peruvian. Uh, so I think the media is race baiting. But I still take an independent view on this. And I do believe profiling occurred uh, since Zimmerman was a neighborhood watch guy. Uh, why they give, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm supportive of, of the Second Amendment, people being able to defend themselves, defend their properties. If someone is actually aggressing, you can't just profile someone. You can't just say he looks suspicious or I don't like the way he's acting, you know, uh, you know, to, to try to, you know, I'll go into that to the uh, acting part later regarding some of my personal ex- experiences. So uh, my, my view is that Zimmerman could have at least tried to approach Martin in a friendlier manner. Because Martin actually lives in the neighborhood with it, and uh, uh, relatives of his, because his parents were sending them there to keep him out of trouble. 
rather than automatically assume he was up to no good, and what he could have done is offered help for the raining weather, say like, hey, I'm from Neighborhood Watch, you know, it's raining outside, just want to make sure you're okay, my name is George, you know, uh, and, and of course, since he was armed, if, if that, you know, if he did that to anybody else, like if it was like, because there burglaries in the neighborhood, and that the burglars tried to point a gun at him, he was armed to be able to defend himself on there, on that, so it's not like that would have put him in danger. He could have offered help for the raining weather, which could have provoked a response from Martin indicating that he does live in, in the neighborhood and he's heading home to escape the rain. And, he, and that could have ended there, but he assumed a crime was going on. And if he saw something, he said something. You know, I'm okay with Neighborhood Watch as long as they don't subscribe to this profiling propaganda that the Homeland Security and all these government organizations are trying to shove down people's throats. You know, if you see something, say something. Look out for the terrorist boogeyman. Uh, I think people should be able to do whatever kind of drugs they want. They want to try to demonize this kid for doing drugs. You know, as long as they don't commit actual crimes, they should be left alone. And, you know, you know, some people, you know, they, they feel more comfortable if they go to a 7-Eleven an hour away rather than to a local one where if they do this, you know, like the uh, Robitussin thing, if they do it often and they want to go to the same, I'm okay with that. That's the peaceful behavior. Why, why, is, that, why is that indication of Martin being a bad person? person it's not um you know that, that's what i was alluding to earlier with not i don't do robitussin but you know i've known people you know that that's their choices and you know they don't hurt anybody and i'm uh, scared of pharmaceutical things and you know there's plenty of high fructose gmo corn syrup and that stuff i would never touch it I would prefer prohibition end so they could isolate the chemical and people can get and do it safer without all the GMO corn syrup and the Robitussin. Um, you know, I think people should be left alone and they shouldn't be scrutinized for what routes they take for certain 7-Elevens or Rite Aid to get whatever they need. If they need to meet a few friends to pick up, uh, you know, intoxicants on the way, that's okay as long as he's not driving under the influence. He was walking in the rain. Uh, you know... However, that wasn't the case, you know. Yes, he was he, he was disoriented. Probably he was probably on drugs. Martin was, but that doesn't make him criminal, you know. Walk, walk, you know, he could have been just walking back from the area, and Zimmerman assumed that he was scouting out places to burglarize. Now, if the drugs made him burgle, like out of it, so he burglarized something. Yes, then intoxicants are no excuse for actual crime. But if you're just intoxicating, you're harming no one. Leave him alone. Uh, you know, he, uh, Zimmerman called the cops, uh, you know, then, then followed him around. Uh, and then of course, you know, that kid was on, on a little bit, made him go after, uh, Zimmer, Zimmerman. So Zimmerman was assaulted by Martin to the point where blood was rushing down his throat. If he managed to escape the beating at some point, which he did, uh, I think the gun should have been the last option. I mean, as soon as he escaped, it seems like that's what the story was, that he just fired off the shots, and that was it. As soon as he escaped the grip, because, uh, you know, uh, of like a MMA-style, MMA you know, pummeling on the ground, bashing his head into concrete. Um, if he managed to escape the beating at some point, you know, he did. At the very least, he should have, you know, gone back at a distance and started pointing the gun, If you know, he could have pointed the gun at, at Martin to prevent further attacking and try to reason it out. Because, you know, even if the dude was on drugs, it wouldn't be smart to lunge after someone pointing a gun at you. So I assume it would come to a little bit of a halt. And, and there was a dispute over whether Martin tried to get the gun before Zimmerman got up and shot him. 
But if Zimmerman won the race to grab the gun in the first place, then he should have used the senses to only pull the trigger if he couldn't use the threat of such a weapon to halt the situation. If he if if he kept going at him even after he's pointing a gun at him. And I do believe, you know, that if your head is being bashed with the concrete, which could result in death, then you have a right to defend yourself of all, if all possibilities of reason are gone, and if you if you have a chance to at least use the threat of a firearm to calm and equalize the situation. If the attacker keeps going, trigger is the very last resort. You know, forgetting about these people or their races, you know, just in any situation, firing the it should be the very very last option, even if your life is being threatened. You know, you could still pull back if the person's unarmed, you just point the gun at them and then, you know, they're, you know, oh wait, well, gotta wait a second. This guy, uh, I no longer have the advantage. This guy has the advantage over me. That's going to stop it. I can't really come to the conclusion that Zimmerman was particularly racist. He is part Hispanic and of Afro-Peruvian roots. However, black, white, or whatever, people do get profiled for their appearances, you know, you know, wearing hoodies, whether you're black or white. Uh, peaceful behaviors like drug consumptions, as long as you don't hurt anybody or get behind the wheel, uh, and, and more. So, you know, I do think that, you know, not because, maybe not because Trayvon was black, but because, uh, you know, he's a teenager and, you know, he just probably assuming that was up to no good, which is which is profiling without probable cause. I mean, again, it, he could have approached him and said, hey, uh, I'm so-and-so, I'm from Neighborhood Watch. If he was an actual burglar, then he was probably like, if that was an armed burglar, he'd probably try to shoot Zimmerman, and then Zimmerman could have defend, defend himself. But since he wasn't a burglar, he would have said, oh, I live in the neighborhood. I'm going back to my uh, relative's house because I live with them. That would have been the end of it. You know, instead, he just assumed, called the police, and then played neighborhood watch. But again, uh, if, if Martin was disoriented from drugs, he should have been left alone if he was harming no one or their property. And it's not the job of any neighborhood watch to try to police people's lifestyles, but to police against people actually harming other people. This is just, uh, this is again, going back to how the media is kind of sensationalizing it. This happens all, all, all the time. What, what, you know, uh, police do this to people of color, not just, you know, and, and they do it for people who are far, who don't assault them. Who are far more peaceful and innocent, you know. That's the why the prison population is so minority uh, populated because of the racist after effects of the war on drugs. But we don't hear the war on drugs in the media. We, we can break this, you know. We can focus on this case every which way we want. Uh, and I don't, you know, I, I think it's a horrible death. And you know, dude, kid was unarmed, even if he was brutally assaulting him. Zimmerman won the gun grab race, and he could have, you know, then you know, then he he had the advantage. He didn't have to pull the trigger right away. Could have at least tried to reason, and if the kid kept lunging at him, maybe then, even if I don't know, I, I'm I'm still, you know, don't don't think that death is that unless he actually was tr- trying to kill or or on the verge of death or smashes head into the concrete. But you know what? This is kind of the media race baiting. It's a it's a distraction. You know what? Because they're there are plenty of people who are not white in Muslim countries, Muslim children far younger than than this guy. Like actual, like not even just children that have been murdered by drones in other countries that President Obama and Bush have been getting away with for years. I mean, they're the real culprits of murder of innocent brown children and then turn on spy on the entire world in the name of national security to defend the country from brown Muslim terrorists. Uh, and it's not just children. They've killed actual pregnant women 
you know, the children, the unborn children. You know, you don't see people flooding the San Francisco bridge over, you know, if you went and see Jeremy Scahill's movie Dirty Wars, he talked about how a JSOC operation murdered some pregnant women. You don't see anybody really flooding. I could make a Facebook page. Nobody would go to that because, you know, that's out of sight, out of mind. They're all terrorists, you know, Muslims, all terrorists. We're not going to care. So if you want to look at the real racists and bring justice to them, the real people who get away with infanticide because they wear a fancy title of, of president, like the U.S. or Israel or Saudi Arabia or many other world powers who are getting off far more scot-free than Zimmerman could ever imagine. The U.S. military and JSOC, you know, like I mentioned, killing children, killing pregnant women in, the, in cold blood in this so-called war on terror. The U.S. kills children in Yemen. Uh, the, one of the first strikes against Yemen uh, that was also in Jeremy Scahill's movie Dirty Wars. Obama personally pressures the Yemeni president, like he makes the phone call himself to keep a jailed Yemeni journalist in jail who exposed the truth that it wasn't because the Yemeni government takes credit for a lot of we do to keep the heat off us. Journalists exposed it was us. Obama makes a personal phone call to Yemen, keep that guy in jail. Those are the you know those are the real race crimes going on because it's based on U.S. nationalism and this kind of Anglo supremacy that you know started with uh, Churchill and you know and this kind of you know NATO powers and and everything that has been behind our foreign policy since after World War II, but but you won't see people flooding the streets for Abdul Rahman al Awlaki, you won't see people flooding the streets for a war in Syria, Israel's apartheid and more. Not to take away from the murder of Trayvon, or that self-defense may have been legitimate, but it, also that it should have been way more of a last resort thing and not have profiled Martin in the first place since he lived in the neighborhood. But the media is skewing everything, including, including inciting race division and taking attention away from war crimes. Like, you know, far more than one person, you know, people in other countries that have never even, you know, touched us. They're getting blown to smithereens, and Bradley Manning explo exposed that. You know, the killing of Reuters journalists by people in helicopters with the collateral murder videos. His trial isn't on TV. The Sarnayev trial isn't on TV. Kokesh's situation isn't on TV. And many more heinous crimes committed by political hegemons like, the, like Bush and Obama who can act above any law without any hope of justice being brought towards them. You don't, you're not going to see that on TV. You're just going to see them parroting the, the United States government. It's just, it, and then they pick things to distract from actual things. Like, we should be focusing on the Bradley Manning trial as much as we are uh, on this. And, you know, Bradley Manning is gay and trans, so it's, it's against the gay community uh, when they're ignoring this. It's against, you know, plenty of Iraqis who are not white. You know, that's certainly race bunch of generals and George Bush that were going to invade Iraq because our God is bigger. And they're, you know, they're a bunch of brown people, terrorists. We have to kill them even if they're innocent. And Iraq had nothing to do with, with 9-11. And that's, to the sh that, that's unfortunate. You know, troops sign up to protect the Constitution and our freedom, but they're, like Henry Kissinger said, who's an evil man, Henry Kissinger said, military men are nothing but dirty, stum, dumb, stupid animals to be used as pawns in the chess game of war. So that's how the politicians use the people in the military. So it's not necessarily the military's fault. It's the fact that they really have no choice when they're used as chess. 
essentially. And that should upset people in the armed forces that you're not actually fighting for the freedoms that you think you are. That you're fighting for some politicians' plans for domination to perpetuate the petrodollar. That's, that's really what, it, what it's all about. We go after countries that aren't tied to the Federal Reserve banking scheme or central banks, uh, you know, that are connected to that web of central banks uh, related to the Fed and, and all their financial hegemon, financial terrorists. We, we never hear anything like that in the news. We never hear that the, do the dollar is going to collapse. We never hear that, you know, that w whenever you print a dollar, you take away value from your pocket. So you're losing value in your pocket, your savings, your wages all evaporating on a constant basis. And where does the value go? It goes, you know, to kill brown people in, in Muslim countries. That's where the value goes. And when you pay income taxes, that goes to pay the salaries and the profits of these Federal Reserve, you know, big Wall Street bankers above even Warren Buffett. You know, when Warren Buffett calls for higher taxes, he's calling for a higher salary for himself because the Federal Reserve makes money out of nothing, an absolute fraud, loans it to the government because they have the legal tender laws, the monopoly on currency, not just for free, but they loan it to the government at an interest. Who pays back that interest? Well, you get your income tax. So Congress's entire job is to pay the profits of these, like, elite of the elite of the Wall Street, you know, bankers behind these central, privately owned uh, central banks like the Fed or the Bank of England. Federal Reserve is about as federal as the Federal Express. So you never hear that on the mainstream media. All you hear about is something like what's going on. And as much as I think, you know, I, I broke down my little specificities that I have on the, on this uh, Martin Trayvon Martin thing because I don't take. I have a very unique thing. It's called being an, a, you know independent, but not like a confused independent like some people are, like Nathan, Nathan Fletcher, but an actual you know independent with some thought and logic. You know, break, breaking down you know this rigid left right paradigm. Even with that, like all the little nitpicky things that I have with the case, I still think that that should be not be devoted to 24-7 news headlines. They should be talking about Bradley Manning. They should be talking about Adam Kokesh. They should be talking about the truth of the Boston bombing thing. They should be talking about killing people in Muslim countries with impunity. But they would never go against the government, you know, because they're parrots for the war machine. You know, I believe it was Operation Northwoods that put CIA people in the media to control their messaging, or you know, MK Ultra, and all those things. But you never hear about those because they're the product of MK Ultra. Of course, they're never going to go against it. So just turn off your TV, watch something alternative, whether it be independents like like the LRN.FM or or, K, or KKSM for your alternative music, alternative to the corporate media, or or the KNSG for purely talk. Or, you know, state-run like RT or Al Jazeera or Iran's press TV. Just whatever you do, don't watch the Republican and Democrat and military-industrial complex Federal Reserve-controlled media for your real sources of information. And uh, there are definitely a, a few more headlines uh, that I'm going to present to you via an LRN.FM syndicated news podcast called The Liberty Beat. Uh, we'll do The Liberty Beat take some commercials and then come back. KKSM and LRN.FM. You're listening to The Liberty Beat, your daily source for liberty news and activist updates. Online at thelibertybeat.com. 
John Bush here with your Liberty Beat for Monday, July 15th, 2013. Gold opened today at $1,280, silver at $19.76, and Bitcoin is trading at $99. Support for the Liberty Beat comes from Beeler Education, providing admissions advice and homeschooling consulting for your family's educational needs. Information at BeelerEd.com. And from Brave New Books, free-thinking material for free-thinking people since 2006. Online at BraveNewBookstore.com. And now the news. After three weeks of testimony and months of controversy, a jury found George Zimmerman not guilty of second-degree murder and manslaughter. Zimmerman, a neighborhood watch volunteer, was on trial for shooting Trayvon Martin, a 17-year-old African-American youth, last year in a gated community in Sanford, Florida. The verdict stirred up small riots with reports of around 125 people starting fires and smashing windows in downtown Oakland. The verdict also prompted accusations of racial bias from the NAACP, calling on criminal charges to be brought forth by the Department of Justice. President Obama called for calm, calling the case a tragedy, and he reminded the nation, we are a nation of laws and a jury has spoken. I now ask every American to respect the call for calm reflection from two parents who lost their young son. On July 12, 2013, the Texas Senate passed House Bill 2, setting stricter requirements for clinics across the state as well as banning abortions after 20 weeks of pregnancy. The bill heads to Governor Rick Perry to be signed into law. As the measure passed the Senate, thousands of protesters from both sides of the debate consumed the Capitol building with chanting and attempted sit-ins. Reports from independent journalist Sarah Colon indicate mass violence from the Texas Department of Public Safety immediately following the vote. When protesters attempted to link their arms together in the rotunda, of the building. The officers began pepper spraying protesters, tasing some, and even putting Miss Colon in a headlock. In one video, police accountability activist Joshua Pineda can be seen being violently ripped from the sit-in, then being slammed to the ground by DPS troopers. As a result of the brute force on behalf of Texas troopers, Pineda was knocked unconscious and later received 10 staples in his head. Liberty rocker Jordan Page will be in Austin this Thursday the 18th playing an exclusive fundraising party meant to raise money for the execution of the second annual Peaceful Streets Project Police Accountability Summit. The summit is set for August 17th. Private Home Party presents a wonderful opportunity for Jordan Page fans to get up close and personal with the musician while supporting the cause of police accountability. Also present at the event will be leading activists from the Central Texas Police Accountability Movement. Tickets for the July 18th concert are $50 apiece. There will be a play room for children so parents may bring their kids. The location will be revealed to those who purchase tickets. To purchase tickets or for more information, visit PeacefulStreets.com slash Jordan Page. Support for the Liberty Beat comes from tomorrow's meals today. South Austin Market Days every Saturday from 3 to 7 p.m. at 10106 Manchac Road. Information at tomorrowsmealstoday.com. And from Capital City Automotive, honest, reliable auto care for vehicles foreign and domestic. Online at capitalcityautoaustin.com. This is the Liberty Beat for Monday, July 15, 2013. Be sure you check out the written stories of today's news at thelibertybeat.com. Texas Attorney General Greg Abbott announced that he will not be seeking re-election to the Office of Attorney General and instead will be running for governor. This statement comes on the heels of Governor Rick Perry's announcement that he will not be seeking re-election. Greg Abbott, who is known for his tough conservative rhetoric, has sued the federal government 27 times. He has vowed to bring the don't-mess-with-Texas attitude to the office of governor, shielding the state from federal encroachment. 
Researchers at Edinburgh and Aberdeen University surveyed more than 2,000 men and women with bowel cancer, asking them questions about their diets before diagnosis. They also surveyed 3,000 people of a similar age who were not diagnosed with bowel cancer. The results? Participants who ate the highest amount of sweets, such as desserts, chocolates, and cakes, were 18% more likely to have developed bowel cancer than those who ate the least amount of sweets. The results also show that those who consumed coffee had an 8% lower risk of developing bowel cancer. While the findings do not prove that eating high amounts of sweets causes bowel cancer, they make a strong case for those eating too many sweets to consider changing their diets. Are you tired of governments around the world killing innocent people? Stop using their money. There is an alternative. Bitcoin is a stateless, free market, non-political currency. Bitcoin is money that cannot be inflated or controlled by any state. By continuing to use their money, you're perpetuating the killing. Stop doing it. You have an incredible alternative available to you now. Learn it, use it, spread it. Get started with Bitcoin at WeUseCoins.com. It's WeUseCoins.com. Hey, hey, Am I driving okay? I think we're back, yeah. On your radio at AM 1320, on your TV at Cox Cable 957, and online at PalomarCollegeRadio.com. Hey, ASM, the radio revolution. Welcome back to Free Thought Radio, freethoughtmedia.org. My guests for tonight were Ben Swan. Awesome investigative journalist. Check out his Truth and Media project on Kickstarter, and it's benswan.com. Swan with two N's. Uh, if you watch his stuff, and then you will never ever be able to go back to the mainstream media garbage, whether it's Fox or MSNBC. They're both towing the line of Dick Cheney. So you just just drop them. Drop them like the two parties. Just drop them like flies. Move forward, and real change will start to happen when real information goes uh, goes before you. And then also in the second hour, I had Dan Johnson of People Against the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, so I want to talk about Edward Snowden. So he recently had, had a press conference. Uh, let, me, let me pull this up uh, from RT. Um, or no, this is actually from The Guardian, but um, RT was, pre- it was like a very secretive thing. Edward Snowden's statement. Uh, it was the right thing to do and I have no regrets. I would concur, you know. And the, the media is trying to play a circus about Edward Snowden and the personality, but his point was that my biggest fear is that nothing will change, so forget about me as the person. What about the issue that we're all being spied on in this name of this phony war on terror? Well, we're not all terrorists. Uh, the people who have nothing to hide, you know, if they want to get cavity searched, go ahead, volunteer yourself. Don't screw over my rights. And and, and the, all the phony liberals that are taking up the Bush rhetoric, you know, where where's the, like Cindy Sheehan said, you know, the situational principles is so maddening because, you know, the Democratic Party, party loyalty. Forget about the parties. Parties are the problem. Um, and here's, here, I guess this is the, the transcript. Hello, my name is Ed Snowden. A little, a little over one month ago, I had family, a home in paradise, and I lived in great comfort. comfort. Uh, I also had the capability without any warrant to search for, seize, and read your communications, anyone's communications at any time. That is the power to change people's fates. It is also a serious violation of the law. The Fourth and Fifth Amendments to the Constitution of my country, Article 12 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and numerous statutes and treaties forbid such systems of massive, pervasive surveillance. 
While the U.S. Constitution marks these programs as illegal, my government argues that secret court rulings, which the world is not permitted to see, somehow legitimize an illegal affair. These rulings simply corrupt the most basic notion of justice that must be seen to be done. The immoral cannot be made moral through the use of secret law. Now, Snowden has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, which is funny because he's now being persecuted for possible even assassination by the supposed Peace Prize winner before him, President Obama, <laughs> who is anything but peace when you go to the wars or this. Um, and and uh, um, where's the headline? But um, Daniel Ellsberg, uh, here it is. Or nope. Daniel Ellsberg, who was the Pentagon Papers uh, person, said that he's afraid that Adam, or not Adam Kokesh, but Ed, Ed Snowden would be assassinated by, you know, some CIA guy. Well, to, to, hey, CIA guy, buzz off. Don't kill, you know, the information is going to come out anyways. You're going to face the consequences of your action. You're going to have to rescind the state. So just give up right now. Give us back our rights. You work for us. Stop playing this game like it's lies to cover up another lie. Like you're killing people to cover up your lives. That's just the immaturity, nonsensicalness of government and politics. And, and what is there really? Well, I'll have something for them to hide, really. I'm going to talk about this document uh, since this is all done in the name of 9-11. You know, I don't like to dwell on it. I'm not going to you know, be like 9-11, 9-11, 9-11, you know, every time. But, you know... You gotta believe some. You gotta put some truth in in there, because if you don't, uh, if you're not knowing what the 9/11 truth is, then you're believing a 9/11 myth. So it's okay. I don't want to annoy people with things because there's a lot of kooky conspiracy theories. But I used to always just dismiss those people until I looked at the actual facts. I saw the kooky stuff. I said, not gonna pay attention to that. But you know, there's actual concrete stuff, and I have an FBI file that will turn this whole thing on its head. I keep saying that I'm going to keep... I read it before. I talked about it before when I talked about Bilderberg and it has to do with uh, five um, possible Mossad agents and their actions on 9-11. But uh, let me talk about what, what happened. So Snowden got uh, Bolivia, Venezuela, and Nicaragua. Um, and I think he picked Venezuela, but he is going to have a hard time getting there because of, for example, the Bolivian president had his flight rerouted like... Like, there's, there's some kind of ants to these imperialists. So I'm glad that they didn't just roll over and say, I'm just going to let these Western powers dictate, you know, Latin American presidents into another country. Latin America finally stood up and said, you know what? We're going to give him asylum. Right on. You know, Bolivian leader, his emails were hacked by the U.S. On top of that. So why, 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 what do they owe to the U.S.? I mean... How is the U.S. even living up to their constitutional principles? They're not. They're under the facade of this freedom that they're supposed to be standing up to, up for. But unfortunately, he can't because of, you know the rerouting the flight. He has to carefully find a way to get to any of those Latin American countries safely. So Russia has granted Snowden some temporary asylum, which is awesome. Uh, again, in Twilight Zone, you know who. Uh, you know who uh, is charging Snowden with espionage? The same judge that is trying to charge Adam Kokesh with armed sedition. You know who's in charge of Bradley Manning's trial? 
Carmen Ortiz, the same lady who pushed Aaron Swartz to his death. They should both be fired, and you know what? They should be shamed. I don't believe in the death penalty, but I think something has to be done. Because this is, this is just insanity against peaceful people. Uh, Truthout.org has a, has a news item where uh, Obama's plans to crack down on whistleblowers have been leaked. It's uh, not really loading at this time, but it's from Truthout.org, Truth-App.org. Great website for alternative media. Uh, majority of Americans think Snowden is a hero. Also, Snowden confirms that the Stuxnet virus, which was used to uh, shut down Iranian nuclear facilities, the Stuxnet virus was created by the NSA and co-written by Israel, and this was actually confirmed by a leak from Edward Snowden. While they're saying, trying to say that Snowden was aiding the enemy for this stuff, they're also saying that Bradley Manning is aiding the enemy because he knew Al-Qaeda uses the internet. That's such a bold charge. If Bradley Manning aided the enemy, why isn't the CIA getting charged for creating Al-Qaeda in the first place? Why aren't they getting charged for aiding the enemy? Bradley Manning did not aid the enemy. He should be free. Yeah, the John, John F. Anderson is the judge issued a warrant for Adam Kokesh, issued the extradition warrant for Edward Snowden. Adam is reportedly being released on bail, but he was he was got some very bad treatment, being in jail in solitary and with an ant infested cell, uh, you know, being treated like crap. But he's doing okay, and they're gonna have some things. And and this is a really twisted tweet from President Obama. I wish Muslims across America and around the world a month blessed with the joys of family, peace, and understanding. President Obama hashtag Ramadan. Somebody replies, at Barack Obama, you mean the ones you're force-feeding in Guantanamo or the ones you're bombing? And how Israel is bombing people, bombing for peace. The irony of that during Ramadan. You know, they're saying that Iran is the aggressor and Syria is the aggressor, but they haven't launched a single thing against Israel. Israel, you know, is the aggressor. Always has been because it was instituted, just like Saudi Arabia was instituted, by the British military instigating a coup uh, and forcing people off their land. They're, they're bulldozing people. Uh, they're arresting children who throw rock. You know, pe if people are getting their homes taken away by force, not just any force, but brute military force, and bulldozer just comes in, they have a right to throw a rock. People have a right to defend themselves. You know, Israel has a right to defend themselves if they had actual threats. Yes, they do have a right to defend themselves, but that's not the case. There have always been the aggressor. There have been very few instances where they've actually had, you know, actually, or it's not blowback of something of an aggression they had done pre previously, like the aggression of just instituting the state of Israel in the first place. People have a right to defend themselves, but no. This is what happening with the bombing of, of uh, Syria by Israel this weekend, and I'll go... And, to, you know, Mossad is not some organization that people are going to hold in high esteem if you actually know about them. Uh, so Snowden, Putin's saying Snowden will leave Russia at the earliest opportunity when he could find a guaranteed way to get to those Latin American countries. And RT's Rupley team detained filming the anonymous United Stasi of America action where they uh, project, you know, they got like some computer projectors and projected... Kim.com's face uh, saying United Stasi of America uh, because, you know, they uh, treated Kim.com like crap. 
Yeah, that's what we really are, you know. You know, and it was on the Ber or uh, U.S. Embassy in Berlin, I believe. World War Three is approaching. Quote: More vulnerable Israel may act before the U.S. on Iran, says Netanyahu. I don't know what else to say about this other than we're possibly screwed. I mean, uh, I hate to be doom and gloom on this. I always try to be optimistic, but it's just like more and more a war with Iran is like the final straw in this Middle Eastern domination plan. And edging up to this red line. I listen to, uh, As much as I don't like Ahmadinejad, I listen to him, and he's not even president anymore. I listen to him. They're saying that they're not going to... Nuclear warfare is of the Stone Age, and wouldn't, we're not going to do nuclear warfare. They're, they'll... That, so Israel and the U.S. are lying. And uh, so the RT source says Israel's strike on Syria was carried out from the Turkish base, which makes, you know, Erdogan has some anti-Israel rhetoric. I think he's just being, you know, disinfo. He's trying to play the stereotype that anybody, and it's not stereotype, it's, it's just fear-mongering that anybody who criticizes Israel is anti-Semitic. That's not true, because... It says, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. You know, you can't kill a steel land. And that was just the implementation of Israel. There's nothing wrong with There's Jews against Israel. There's Jews against Zionism. I'm going to have somebody from Jews against Zionism on my show later in the month of August. Based on that fact that you can't kill or steal. It's just, it's just the government. It's not even a religious thing. It's a government. It's a military. It's nationalism, just like Hitler. Nationalism sucks. You know, given the Israel saying that all these Muslim people are existential threats for them, then why are they backing the Syrian rebels? Why are they standing shoulder to shoulder with the Pakistani Taliban who sent hundreds to Syria to fight shoulder to shoulder with the Syrian rebels who are part of Al-Qaeda? Things like that, you know, really dismantle this whole, you know, if you criticize Israel, you're anti-Semitic. And, and Syrian rebels, Damascus chemical cachet were actually found by the Syrian army. So I talked about how it was the rebels that used the sarin nerve gas not the Assad government, so they actually found their, the rebels' store of chemical weapons. That's ridiculous. Another thing, DARPA is inventing like a Terminator-type robot. Horrible. It's going to be used for evil. And Conan O'Brien, Chris Matthews, and former General Stanley McChrystal to attend Bohemian Grove. So if you want to know what Bohemian Grove is, I suggest you just Google the cremation of care. Uh, that's essentially what all the mass murder... That's that's what the mass murderers think the world is to them, is they go and it just really, it's like, wow, that's pathetic. That's the ugliness. We call ourselves a civilized nation that these people get together in like KKK style hoods and worship this owl and then get go and murder people in the Middle East and call them terrorists. That is just like, you'll never look at Newt Gingrich the same again. And these guys are, I don't know why they're, are they trying to like, you know, be like the insider like Alex Jones was? And do some kind of funny thing like makes me kind of lose respect for Conan O'Brien. I, ne I never had any respect for Chris Matthews and General McChrystal's not surprising. So here's the document that I wanted to talk about. So I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when I when I was talking about Bilderberg and um, talking about you know I was, for people that didn't know I know I know if I'm talking to people that already know some of the you know facts about uh, 9/11 that I'm probably I'm probably annoying them with facts that they already know but one of the things that you know is not an, it used to be an urban legend because you could go off videos and, and you know the fox news thing with carl cameron reporting on the israeli nationals and possible Mossad agents being arrested uh on, on 9-11 for spying 
maybe not because they were involved, but because they were maybe they were withholding information that they found on their on their spying missions. But there were there were five Israelis that were caught dancing on on a on a roof of their this van that they own and in celebration, you know, smiling with each other while the towers were burning in the background. And the FBI file that was leaked by a FOIA request has, you know, the tracking of that van uh, around the area of the World Trade Center. There are actually two more Israeli nationals, nationals that were detained with bombs in the, in the thing. And, you know, people, you know, there were actual bomb explosions that you could hear uh, before the towers collapsed uh, and, you know, the likelihood of a controlled demolition which was admitted to by Larry Silverstein, at least for Building 7. He said that with all the fires and the tragedy during the day, you know, we just, with Building 7, we just had to say, you know, we, we so we pulled it and we got the fire department. And we So you can't put together explosives in, in five hours with all the chaos going. They had to rig a controlled demolition thing in Building 7 weeks in advance. So... Uh, I just I, I I not only have the FBI file that's it's public information now due to the FOIA request, which details the thing and and redacts their names. But there's a police report which does not redact their names, and I just want to read their names for uh, truth's sake here. So, all occupants were transported to the state police facilities inside Meadowlands Sports Complex by state troopers to await the arrival of the FBI. The occupants were driver. Mr. Sivan Kurzberg, date of birth 2278. Address is given 100 Lawrence, Brooklyn, New York. And uh, the other person, uh, Patuka Israel, wearing blue jeans, Yaron Shemul, uh, 112175, birth date uh, from Florida. Baal Kurzberg, no address given, wearing a pink shirt, Oded Elner. Omer Gabriel Mamari, and you know what they said when they were caught? We're on your, you know, first thing, you know, not say, oh, sorry, I, I don't know what you're talking about, officer. We're not the problem. We're on your side. Palestinians are the problem. Nice, eh? And it's not, it's not like a, they could try to cut, you know, say that it's an urban. They even went on Israeli television to talk about. We didn't do it. I don't know why they. It's just mind-boggling. It melts kind of rea- your reality, you know. The the whole the whole notions of all this stuff that we're doing, we don't even have the actual story. May, not to say that they did it, but prior knowledge, uh, may, maybe because they didn't do it, but they like the how it would affect their foreign policy. A lot of a lot, like it was either Sharon or no, no, it was Netanyahu. It was Netanyahu who said that 9/11 was the best thing to happen to Israel. Which is a nationalism. Pure, it isn't representative of Jewish people because you know what? All countries are not representative of the people they claim to, ha- you know, have within their citizenship. Like I don't think the U.S. government represents me. The Israeli government, you know, Zionism hijacked the religion. You know what? I have this guy from Jews Against Zionism coming up in August. The Zion, the supposed Zionists who had all these boards and stuff and were a little powerful before the. State of Israel were created. They sold out six million Jews to die in the Holocaust because they wanted a racially superior population to go to Palestine. They wanted a bunch of people to die off, so they could have who, whoever left and go be the the educated. So they're not even about Judaism. They're about 
or maybe maybe to a small few, but it's really about domination, nationalism, supremacy. Uh, they inoculate black Jews with Depo-Provera, a Pfizer-developed sterilizer drug. They give it to black Jewish women from Ethiopia. So they're not even for Jews. Israel isn't even good for Jews, let alone Palestinians. So this anti-Semitic thing that APAC scaremongers people with is all stuff to get you from not paying attention to war crimes and apartheid and how they're not even good for Jews or Palestinians or rather anybody. It's just the same nationalism that Hitler employed, you know, the Aryan nation or USA all the way or, or Israel first. Same crap. People die because of aggression. Not defense, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for national defense, but this is not. This is aggression. This is genocide and ethnic cleansing. And I think it is time that, truth be told, I'm a bit of a whistleblower in this instance, even though this is publicly available information. Nobody's just going to talk. Nobody's talking about it. But, well, next week I have a, uh, well, I don't think it's a lighter subject. I, I, I went to San Diego to help uh, give out uh, sleeping bags to, to homeless people with uh, the Veterans for Peace. So we're going to talk about their compassion campaign. I had Ben Swan, investigative journalist, uh, benswan.com, and Dan Johnson of People Against the National Defense Authorization Act. Wanted to play a few songs, but it's okay. Uh, freethoughtmedia.org. See you guys next week. Thank you again for tuning in, into the show. I believe up next is on KKSM, if, they, if, if they're in tonight is the uh, Natalix show. So be sure to listen to the show on iTunes if you missed any part or at the LRN.FM weekly podcast loop. Thank you again, guys, for listening. Tune in next week, freethoughtmedia.org. KKSM Oceanside. You know, women are a complicated bunch. AM 1320. They're like grapes. That's all I got because I said bunch. Yeah. Then I thought of grapes. The radio Revolution.